on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick will tear down every key moment and reference from the Book of Boba, S1E3, a.k.a. Scootergate, to see if they can predict what's in store next for Lord Fett. They'll also talk about a new Ming-Na Wen interview in which she tells fans that the Book of Boba finale will fundamentally change how they view the show's plot. Matt will recap the latest Star Wars comic and give updates on Luke's continued training at the hands of surprise Jedis. Of course, the fans will be honored in this week's iteration of the fan segment, so prepare for some salty comments to be read and to honor this week's top five featured Star Wars artists. Punch it, Chewie! everybody we're here no more placeholder Woo! welcome back to the peacemaker show it's matt and nick and we're here to talk all things james gunn's peacemaker john cena get this man an emmy get this man a hot toy figure because i am finally on the bandwagon so hey how's it going everybody no we're not doing the peacemaker show but yeah during the uh, bs segment that nick and i usually start with i i am going to discuss this series because it, it has just completely exceeded all of my low expectations to the point where i am i am just as eager to watch peacemaker episode four as i am to watch the book of boba fett episode four and that's not mm-hmm. a knock on the book of boba all right we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get to all that stuff and you know, talking about all the fans that have been airing their grievances since last Wednesday morning over a, a, a goddamn TV show. But we know that. I mean, Nick and I, we pre-gamed and Nick's about ready to rescind his <laughs> own Star Wars fandom card because he's getting sick of the fandom. And, you know, I don't blame him that he's. Let's just say he's living his best life by not going on the Star Wars Time Show IG throughout the week and looking at people's <laughs> stories and all that fun stuff. All right. Because it, it does get a little it gets a little much depressing. sometimes. Uh, I, I know I, I've been angry before and, you know, I, I that we we all or at least a longtime fans. We have talked about the book or my Boba Fett uh, flamethrower session that happened, you know, two years ago and how. uh shitty I was to some people about their opinions but it's just it's out of control at this point in time it's like the George Lucas himself could lay his penis down on camera for 30 minutes and say this is the next Star Wars people I'm George Lucas and they would still be like fuck you you're washed up you got a little dick go back to go back home and watch your Formula One racing you washed up hack yeah, um, but mean, we'll get there. We'll like, get there. We'll get yeah. there. We'll 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 definitely talk a little book. But I was I was surprised to hear that Matt is a big uh, okay is yeah. a big peacemaker guy. So so I want to hear about this show because I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. So I, I think I've talked about this before. Um, nothing against John Cena. I just and the stuff that he's been in that isn't like a, a comedy for families. He he just does not quite seem up to the level of acting that Batista and Dwayne Johnson have gotten to yet. And it's not that I still think Batista is probably the best at all three in terms of actually playing a serious, legit role. 
but yeah. you, you know Cena, you could tell he he's still trying to shake that that wrestling persona. And you know what? He's a big dude, but he is kind of odd to look at the way like how large he is. Like the Rock yeah. looks like he should be that big. John Cena looks like maybe not have should have gotten that big. But either way, who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I watched Suicide Squad too. I enjoyed it. I'm I'm a fan of James Gunn. I like anything he does for the most part. I like the way he writes. I like his sense of humor. And it, probably my favorite thing about James is the way he pairs music to his creations right i mean he's he's a master at bringing in classic rock and whatnot to his projects and having the music actually enhance a scene so suicide squad 2 whatever it's fun it's gory as hell i mean if anything if you just like crazy gore because you're a psycho like myself it's a good watch but one character i was like man peacemaker is just such a douchebag in suicide squad 2 i mean he does douchey things to make you as a viewer not like him. But he just, I don't know, I, I didn't like it. I, I didn't like the way Cena portrayed him. I didn't really like the persona of the character. He just seemed like an asswipe. Yeah. So when Peacemaker was announced, I was like, what? Like, this is where we're going? Like, Peacemaker? That's, that's the character we latch on to out of Suicide Squad 2? Not, not Harley Quinn, who's been in multiple movies at this point and is, is, and is essentially the face of the DCEU, even more so than Batman. All right, going with Peacemaker. It's still James Gunn. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Watched the trailers. was like, oh, man, this is, uh, is going to be just as douche chilly as his character in Suicide Squad 2, or just Suicide Squad, I guess. But I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll check it out. Why not? I pay for the HBO Max. I've, I've gone through pretty much everything else over these past four weeks. Now I've been off. I almost did the full Harry Potter rewatch. We did the prequels rewatch the last weekend. It's like, all right, I need something new. So sat down, fired up Peacemaker episode one. Luckily, first three episodes dropped. And, and Nick, I'm not fucking around. I'd say within five, ten minutes of watching the first episode of Peacemaker, I started to go, holy shit. Holy shit, this this is some goddamn fantastic TV. <laughs> the writing is brilliant. The language is off the wall. I mean, the language is almost too much for even the Star Wars time show. And you know how sometimes <laughs> my mouth gets. Uh, the gore is insane. The action's insane. And kind of the way I summed it up to uh, my stunt buddy, if I could pull it up here. First episode of Peacemaker had me laughing out loud. I think the praise is legit because I, I saw last week like I was like, oh, my God, James, you're the man. First three episodes of Peacemaker. Oh, let me suck your dick. Let me give you a reach around. It was all that type of stuff. And a lot of times, you know, from other fanboys or fangirls of a, of a director and artist like James, you know, you, you can expect that type of stuff as well as from the big critics. But I was like, no, nah, I think the praise is legit. It's like a mini 80s movie, hard R gore, tits, sex, crazy <laughs> amount of swear words. All right. So it, I can't remember the last show, Nick, where I sat there and LOL'd almost the entire run of the episode. Yeah. And it's it's not just like, uh, it's like, whoa, what? They just said that or he just did that or they just showed that. It, it's it, it's like a mix of jackass, 80s action movies, 
And obviously the uh, kind of the nuance that that uh, Gunn set up in Suicide Squad for this version of the DC universe and the character. It's it's hard to stop watching. Uh, it's impossible not to laugh. John Cena has won me over finally. I, I think he's brilliant in this role because he, he he's playing like a, a douche. Uh, yeah. Like a guy that just doesn't understand that other people are essentially looking at him and laughing at him and not with him. Uh, but there's so many great things. I mean, Eagly, Nick, he, he has a pet eagle called Eagly. <laughs> and it's like some of the, some of the <laughs> okay. fucking scenes with the eagle and, and, and the um, a lot of the his team, he kind of gets pulled into a team that is Waller behind it. Is she not? I mean, there's but that's the thing. With all the goofy hijinks, there's there's like a slow drip, secret, you know, private eye type of plot going on with yeah. obvious comic book elements. You know, there, there's like some strange shit going on, like not magic, but, you know, not real world type of uh, crime solving. It, it's a it, it's a it, it, there's a little mystery they're taking you on. So not only do you get the goofiness that's funny as hell. But the overarching plot is something that compels you to, all right, well, I want to see what happens next. What are they going to find out about these butterflies? And what what's going to make me laugh next? Or what's going to make me shoot milk out of my nose or beer out of my <laughs> nose? Because I don't know, man. It, to me, it's the, it's the writing that that makes Peacemaker a winner. And then the way the cast delivers the scenes that Gunn had in his head, probably when he was scripting this thing out. It's just... It's got elements of, you know, some of Kevin Smith's best stuff where sometimes you can just sit there and listen to the characters talk about nonsense, yet it's hilarious and at the same time kind of deep. So that's it. Peacemaker is a winner. It's a hit for me. Best show of 2022, hands down. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to really compare it to the Book of Boba Fett because to me they're completely different genres. Just tonally different as well. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like I said. I, I'm not going to be waking up at 4.35 a.m. to watch Peacemaker, but I, you're sure as shit I will be watching it Thursday night because I am compelled by it, want to see more, want to see what happens next, want to see whose boobs are going to pop out next. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like it is that 80s feel because if, you know, I know you were a little young, but I think you watched some 80s action movies when yeah, you were growing absolutely. up. Absolutely, so, um yeah. Move, those movies back then, it, it, was a, it was a cookie cutter. You had a badass action star that could not be killed. He was essentially a superhero who had a foul mouth, would tell dirty jokes or, or say, you know, catchphrases. The action was just insane. Like I said, I mean, one of the best 80s movies of all time is Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando. There's really no, there, there's no other movie from there that epitomizes what an 80s action film was better than Commando because one guy essentially takes on an entire country by himself and wins. And it's just, it's crazy. (laughs) But even in those movies, you would always have, you know, some boobs would pop out or like a gratuitous sex scene and you're watching when you're five or six going like, what the fuck is this? Man, my private parts are feeling funny now watching this. I kind of like it. Should I touch it? It's, it's all there. It's all encapsulated in Peacemaker. So if you were like me and were thinking, man, this, this could be a waste of my time based on Suicide Squad and what I thought of the character in John Cena, trust me, fire it up. 
uh, I, I guarantee you by the end of episode one, you're going to roll right into episode two and be happy about it. So there we go. There you go. I yes. Mean, and, and the blonde, like one of the uh, co-leads, Harcourt, very choice looking actress. And these are not my words. These are peacemaker words. But he does describe that she has sugar tits. So there, there's like a great scene on that. Like I'm telling you, it's just, it's refreshing in this era of uber politically correctness to kind of get a show like this that is making fun of racism, but also pushing the edge of what people used to put out there in TV shows and movies. So I, I applaud it. I applaud what Gunn and crew has uh, crafted. I'm just surprised I haven't seen his brother in like a, a cameo role or or a, or a starring role yet because he always kind of like Robert Rodriguez we'll talk about they they tend yeah. to pop in the same actors in everything they do so there you go there's there's my little ditty on on Peacemaker I was pleasantly surprised and and um, I, I'm 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 pleased that I was surprised because I'm all, I'm always looking for good shit to watch that isn't real life and Peacemaker is giving it to me right now awesome so. I got one thing I want to talk about too, and it's going to stay in the HBO Max realm, and it's wildly different than than, than Peacemaker. Um, but I wanted to. Uh, I watched the uh, the Harry Potter 20th anniversary reunion special last night with uh, Taylor, and I mean that was it was fantastic. Um, and for me, as a person who grew up with Harry Potter and more specifically, like grew up with Harry Potter in a way that like when I was reading the books and watching the movies, like my ages, my age aligned pretty closely to the ages of the characters in the show. So I was born in 88. The books came out June uh, of oh, of 97 and I first got it in, in 98. So I was 10 when I was first reading it. And then um, Harry's 11 in the books. So all throughout the series, like, you know, me reading it on release and stuff like that, I was always like kind of following the journey of the main characters um, while I was growing up, kind of experiencing the same things. And then even when the movies came out, movie, the first movie came out in 01, um, I was 13 and Harry and it was 11. So I was still pretty close. And um, it was one of those series that like when you grow up with it, you don't really like you don't understand the level of appreciation you have for it at the time because, you know, you're you're going through a lot of the same things the characters are going through. But when you're at that age, you really don't recognize how much of an impact and how important it is for you to have people that you can relate to, like, you know, on, on a big screen. So it was super, you know, I, um, when you say that, Nick, it's it's interesting because there's not obviously other people in your generation that were fans of Potter, they, they can have a shared experience. But I'm just kind of thinking from my perspective and the shit I've gotten into, I've never followed something as a super fan where I could directly relate to the characters and their experiences. Cause you know, yeah. star Wars, I was watching when I was two or three and they're all in their teens or twenties. So there, you know, there's no yeah. correlation there. So it is kind of a unique yeah. experience for you. And it Harry. is. And like, if you, if you look, if you look back on film history, there was really nothing like it before then. Like there was never like even star Wars. I mean, there was never a stretch of 
seven or eight movies no. that aged along with the populace that they were released with. Correct. Uh, I mean, the closest that you ever had to that was like old family sitcom TV where like, you know, you could start watching it when it released. And if you're the same age as the kids in it, then you'll age along with that. But it's, it's different when it's in long form movie, uh, like type of storytelling. And it's different when you have the story that's being told in Harry Potter that, that, gets darker and that gets more mature with time. You know, like if you're watching family matters and you, you started watching it when you were a kid and then you watch it again, 10 years later, like tonally, it doesn't really change. Like it goes on meth. Yeah. Like it's still, it's still, yeah. It's still like the funny, (laughs) ha ha. Look, Oh my gosh, Carl doing all the, you know, it's it's the same shit. But with Harry Potter, it grew up with you and mm-hmm. the things that Harry and Ron and Hermione were struggling with, were things that we were struggling with when we were growing up and watching the 20th anniversary reunion actually got me kind of emotional. Got like the feels I, I didn't brood up, huh? A little, yeah. Like little, little, I eye sweat a bit, little eye sweat. Yeah. Like yeah. I did, I didn't cry, <laughs> but there were moments when I was like, man, it wasn't until now that I realized how much this series meant to me. Um, I mean, I had always been a fan. I mean, like you can look behind me over here. You can see my, my wand right next to all my Harry Potter books right here. And there's all the books. And, you know, I got another wand that's above that one and stuff like that. So I've always been a fan of the franchise. And, you know, I, I love going to Harry Potter land and universal and stuff like that, but watching the retrospective and hearing the behind the scenes and seeing not only how these like the characters in the show had bonded, but how these people had bonded and how like, you know, essentially for 10 years of their life, like they were each other's best friends and um, went to it school was really, together. Cause you get yeah. I mean, all these kids, every kid on that set was essentially in, what was it? Seven or eight years of Harry Potter life and school. I mean, that, that yeah. that's all they did. Exactly. And I mean, it's it's weird because it's one of the few franchises out there that I feel like they they could have done more with. And I still feel like they can do more with. Because outside of like, you know, the, people always ask you like, well, what universe would you want to live in? Like if you could pick a fandom universe, what would you want to live in? And outside of Star Wars, like the one that I would probably pick is Harry Potter because it's so... It's so close to what we currently have, and you can see so much of our real life existence in the show, but it's just like just beyond the veil is this entire other world that we can't even fathom yet. Like we know that magic is real and there are this hidden society and stuff like that. I've always wanted to live in it. And um, it was really an incredible experience. And I wish that that they would have done more in terms of expanding the universe, you know, uh, maybe writing more books or having other content based around, you know, other characters from the from the movie. So you, you would have rather them not do the prequel shit and just kept on with Harry and Hermione and Ron's timeline. I mean, I'm I was like. I know a lot of people hate the Fantastic Beast stuff, and I I do agree that it is basically their Star Wars prequels at this point. Like, it's it's not as good, and it doesn't capture the essence of what was captured in the original movies and in the original books. It's just not there. And I don't necessarily wish that we would have stayed with Harry and Hermione and Ron, but like, 
there's so much other stuff that's happening in that same era. Like, you know, you have the other schools that you were introduced to in the fourth movie where you have, you know, the, the Durmstrang kids and then the Bo Patton girls. And then you, like, there's such a, a wide universe that we've never seen before. And like, they, they're kind of going back and I know that they, they wanted to focus on Grindelwald, but there's, there's a lot of it. And I would love to see them take like an expanded universe, take kind of like, um, like star Wars did where you have books that are written about ancillary characters. You have, um, you know, kind of spinoff stuff that we're seeing with Star Wars where we have shows that are dedicated to the non-main characters. Just don't I, fuck with their legacy. Yeah. Oh legacy. We'll get, to, we'll get to that later. <laughs> but like the world itself is ripe for expansion and I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. Which hey, kind of like me. You know. <laughs> I, 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 as a super, because you're definitely like a Potter super fan. I mean, I, I, I completely appreciate the films too stupid to read the books or really get that deep into the world. I, I kind of, I pissed away my fantasy investment into uh, Lord of the Rings, which is not pissing away, but that's kind of what, that was my fantasy world. I, I dove into other, other than Star Wars, but as an outside observer who just watched the movies mm-hmm. to this day, I think it's a fucking crime that Hermione and Harry were not the end game couple. <laughs> it, it's just, it's stupid. I, I know that, yeah, Ron and, you know, they, they had their thing throughout the movies, but Harry ending up with, with Ginny or whatever the hell her name, it's just, it's dumb. And I even think JK, uh, you know, that lovely woman later on in life was like, yeah, I, I probably fucked up and should have had Harry and Hermione hook up. I don't know. That's just always bugged me. I feel like they were meant, you know, she was the best at everything and he's Harry Potter, Jesus. They just seem like they should have been the ones to come together. Is that just because I only watched the movies or did you also feel like it? Like, nah, this, this Jenny shit's bullshit. It should have been Harry and Hermione. No, I didn't feel like that. I also feel like the interpersonal relationships in this series didn't matter nearly as much as like the friendship that was built between those three. Like, so like who they were dating and stuff like that wasn't, was never really important to me. It was more about like the bond that they had as friends and like how they were, you know, there for each other, regardless of, of who see. they were dating and stuff like that. So I, I, I really didn't care about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, it was super cool for me to be able to, to, to like watch that and not only like reminisce on my time with the franchise, but also like where I was in my life at certain points during that time oh, and yeah. stuff. And, I, and, I can see you know. where the waterworks turned on. Did, did it also <laughs> make you feel like a shithead that you're not working in movies and getting to do what these people did with their lives? Cause usually when I watch stuff like this, that's when I'm like, damn it. Why, why, yeah, why don't, why don't I have 10 years of my life where I could talk about magical experiences, <laughs> creating these amazing films. And yeah, it, it's like when you watch the, and we've said this before a million times, but the the BTS on the Lord of the Rings DVDs or Blu-rays, that is the greatest uh, documentation of what it would be like to make a trilogy like that. I mean, you get, we're, we're talking like hours and hours and hours and hours of what those people went through to make those three movies way back when. So I yeah. usually, when I watch that shit now, I'm like, man, I am a fucking loser. Like to a loser. certain degree... To a certain degree, I did feel like that, but this one, this one was done in a way to where it wasn't too much about like 
it was more focused on like them reminiscing and yeah, not yeah. really as much as about them like, oh, well, we're going to, you know, let's deep dive into how this was made or how this was made. It was really focused on the relationships with like the director and the characters yeah, or yeah. the, you know, the ancillary characters and the main characters and all of these other people. And it was more it, it was way more focused on like on that than like the actual filmmaking aspect of it, which I thought was really cool. So it was more of a reunion and less of a BTS. Um, and one thing I also have to call out too, because we're obviously going to talk about it when we get to our Boba Fett oh, stuff. We're getting soon, there, but buddy. Like, we're getting there. The the fandom of Harry Potter is just so much better than the fandom. Wait, you know, of they, Star they don't Wars. they don't try to piss on your Cheerios every single day, and you're like, oh, I like and this. <laughs> Fuck you! The twenty yeah. the first it ruined all their legacies. <laughs> did you see and, how? And, did you see how slow they filmed that interview? Those <laughs> sons of bitches. That's not I my Harry Potter. And it's and look, there are and like you know people don't like the the new the Fantastic Beast stuff. There are a lot of people who are like you know this doesn't feel like Harry and stuff like that. But they don't. It's never visceral. Like it's never like people are emailing fucking or tweeting at directors saying that they're going to kill them. Yeah, and like, like I hate you. There's <laughs> yeah. There's like hack. There's, you hack ass loser. <laughs> and then like. Whenever I talk to a Harry Potter fan, it's like, you know what never comes up? Like whenever I talk to somebody else who's a fan, they're never like, well, that, that, that movie sucked, huh? Like that one was bad. And this, <laughs> I, this dude, show I know was exactly terrible, what you're huh? saying. It is rough to be a Star Wars fan these days and to try and enjoy it without someone coming in and trying to essentially stick their penis in your mouth, right? And let you know yeah. that, that they're smart, you're dumb, you can't like something that they don't think is good enough for them. I, I get yeah. it, so. All right. And I mean, like, if you look at Kingdom of where he's like, oh yeah, the fandom's fine right now, give it another 30 years. I mean, the thing is, is like, <laughs> they're not doing what Star Wars did. Like Star Wars did like rapid expansion and novels and stuff like that over that time period. And, and Harry Potter really is just kind of like, <laughs> we did our thing. Like we did our Harry Potter movies and yeah, we'll do these Fantastic Beasts ones, but we're not like oversaturating the landscape with a bunch of stuff out there for, for people to like, you know, cling to or to become angry at. So I don't know. It's just... It was refreshing for me to watch that and and know like the friends that I have who are big Harry Potter fans don't really carry the negativity. <laughs> yeah, we're, that a lot we're of gonna Star make Wars you feel do. like an asshole for liking it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. And you know, I was I guess I was sort of like that a while back with the prequels and and really the the whole Boba Fett scandal from a few years back. But hey, I'm I'm getting better, but I still have a few few things to share with other fans on on how everyone's behaving these days. It's like, Jesus, man, give it a break. Yeah, we're not watching tiring. a movie. We're watching a long form movie. Like don't, don't get ready to burn your shorts just cause you didn't like uh, two minutes of an action scene in an episode. And, and we, we actually have a story from Ming-Na Wen herself where it's almost like she's trying to respond to the fandom. Like, listen, just have some fucking patience. And yeah, like, let's, we'll get into our, we're transitioning over to the Boba, but I just want everyone to remember that has their John Favreau and Dave Filoni tattoos and statues. They created this fucking show. Okay. Robert Rodriguez has, hasn't written a freaking scene for the book of Boba Fett. Your, your, your God, John Favreau and Dave Filoni have, right? 
Okay? These are coming from the same people that made the Mandalorian that are going to be making Ahsoka. Have some, have some trust, all right? Trust the process. I don't even think you need to. Like, I've, I'm enjoying myself watching the Book of Boba Fett, so let's get right into it. It's time to break down the Book of Boba Fett, Season 1, Episode 3, a.k.a. The Streets of Mos Espa, or The Power Rangers 1, or Scooter Gate, whatever you want to call it. But like I said, I still quite enjoy this show. I quite enjoyed Episode 3. Do I share some critiques with some of the visuals? Sure, it's hard not to, all right? Um, but does a slow speeder chase and scooter scene make me feel like they have raped the legacy of Boba Fett? Absolutely not, because he doesn't have one, okay? You, you all have to remember that. The EU shit, that's all it was and ever will be. It's expanded universe nonsense. It's legends now. It means nothing. Boba Fett is the man defined in The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and then more recently in War of the Bounty Hunters. All right? So just, just reset your expectations. But with that being said, what's so wrong about turning a character that wasn't even a real character? I mean, he was just a guy that stood there. He's kind of like a fucking dude on set for the most part. What's so wrong about learning a bit more about him and how he can change and become a different version of himself? Is that not what most humans do in life? At least those that want to grow beyond who people think they are based on past acts. All right, we're not going to get all kumbaya, but it's like sometimes let's like fucking cool the jets, people. Cool the jets. John Favreau, Dave Filoni. This, th- these aren't the villains you all have created in your minds. This isn't Ryan Johnson. This isn't Kathleen Kennedy. These are the two motherfucking guys that a lot of us have anointed the new gods of Star Wars. So have some faith. All right? Like I said, episode three, listen, as soon as I got done watching it, I sent Nick a smoke signal. I was like, hey, buddy. Just prepare for the fandom to revert back to the episode one negativity after they were all uplifted and remembered that they do like Star Wars in episode two. Because I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. It was First off, it was a short episode. And I will agree, I don't think live action Star Wars works well at 35 minutes or less. It, it just, it's, it's like five to seven minutes too short. You get us into the 42, 44 minutes and beyond. All right. I think that's a better formula for live action Star Wars. But what the hell do I know? I'm not really a storyteller. I'm just some asshole that goes online and talks about other people's stories. Um, the, the chase scene, yes, looked extremely out of place. All right. It was very slow. I, I don't I real I don't even understand how that made it out of dailies and got approved for final visuals. Because uh, it was, it, it, it's jarringly slow. But with that being said, who gives a fuck? Who cares? I watch Star Wars for the most part, and this is no bullshit. Yeah, the, the flashy stuff and the lightsaber battles and the pew pews, that's all neat. That's not, never why I became a super fan of Star Wars. I'm a nut for this because of the fake ass lore that George Lucas created and now Favreau, Filoni, et al. are adding to. I like the stories. 
I like learning about what makes someone do what we're seeing them do or what they used to do. And that's exactly what we're getting in the book of Boba Fett. I don't know what everyone else was expecting. Like if, if you were expecting this to, to be the Mandalorian season two, episode six on repeat for seven episodes, what fucking planet do you live on? Like, hello, that, that, that's not what you were going to get. They told you. I mean, all the damn interviews we, we covered on the show as we were spinning our wheels trying to produce content when Star Wars itself had no content for months on end after the Bad Batch. They were telling you, like, listen, we're going to humanize them a bit. It may be too much. Tem himself said, I don't know. I push back. But what did Tem say after that? I trust Dave Filoni and John Favreau. As should we all until the end. Because really what we're getting here with all this stuff, and I know we were spoiled with Mando because, you know, it had episodes that popped on their own. But ultimately what the book of Boba Fett is, is a long fucking movie. And we're just barely to the middle part. We're just barely getting over the setup for the payoff to come in the climax. Yeah. But I'm still enjoying it. I, I, I don't know. It's like, I don't let s- visual stuff ruin the lore being told for me. Uh, it, it's kind of the same thing, the point I made with the Ahsoka episode. Like, oh, her, her neck tails are too short. Fuck this. They ruin it. I, I don't even get there. I, I could care less. I mean, I could be watching this show with unfinished effects and be happy. Like literally seeing the Rancor's head on a blue screen and, and, and Danny and Tem sitting there talking to it. As long as they're delivering Star Wars lore to me that, that jives, like, fine, let's do it. So was episode three better than episode two? No, not really. Was it a, a tire fire that a lot of fans have made it out to be? Absolutely not. I still think you're getting great stuff there. I, I, I was surprised by the fast forward on the Tuscan tragedy. Uh, you know, we, we, we set that up last week as that could be a, a very major moment. And it was glossed over, but I think it was glossed over for a reason. And a lot of this I'm going to reiterate when we talk about Ming-Na Wen's latest interview. Because she, she, she herself is like, listen, these dudes are, are chess masters. They are setting up pieces that you probably don't even realize are being set up for a big-ass checkmate in your face. In the finale, that's going to make you go, oh, oh, now I get it all. So, you know, I just ask, let's have a little patience. If you don't like the color scooters or the the look of gangs, is it really the end of the world for Star Wars? Is it really damaging Boba Fett? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't don't think so. I mean, honestly, like... It's getting tiring now as a fan of Star Wars for my whole life when every time you go on anywhere, it's just like people shitting on stuff constantly about like really dumb shit. And it's just like it gets to the point to where it's like, do I like like I, I like the content. It's one of the and it's one of the reasons why I don't go on social media to read people's stuff, because in general, the Star Wars fandoms just like it's it's not in a good place right now. I don't know when it'll be back in a in a better place or if it, you know, whatever. But like it's just depressing to go on to uh Reddit or it's depressing to go on to Instagram or something like that and just be like, This is shit, everything's shit, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's great. Like, and every hey, listen. You know, I this I I'm preaching I'm I'm preaching to the choir here. I mean, it, it seems like everyone needs to be a critic too. I mean, we are a branded Star Wars account and you get less 
critical comments on Star Wars from our account than you get from just random people. I mean, everyone on Wednesday has to put in their story, like, rate it, hot or not. Rate it is like, fucking, like, yeah. who gives a shit what you think? It's, we it's we want you things. to give a shit what we think. So, yes, I, I'm, I'm being a complete asshole right here. And my, uh, my argument has no logic because I'm saying don't listen to the other motherfuckers. Listen to us. But I'm being serious. We'll at least give you some critiques with merit behind it. All right. We're not just going to scooters four out of ten. All right. Really? Because of a slow chase scene. That was it. That, that bit it all for you. Not not the. Not the fact that I finally learned how to say Chrysanthemum's name. I mean, that was a win yeah. for me. <laughs> Just hearing fucking Fennec Shand actually pronounce that dickhead's name properly. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> how you say it. Because I couldn't even figure out when you go look how it's broken down phonetically on, on Wikipedia. I, that's why I was like, Chrysanthemum. You know, I'd be like, black. So, I mean, just learning that it's Chrysanthemum was huge. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like that, that fight scene in itself was fun. Um, there was a lot to like, in my opinion, there was a lot to like about this episode. But I mean, I don't know. I, it, it seems like if it's not perfect from stem to stern, then people just well, it, think I, it's trash. Nick, a lot of it goes back <laughs> to it didn't meet what they wrote in their own heads. Because with the gang, oh, they're, you know, they it's not Boba Fett's daughter. I'm like, who the fuck's Boba Fett daughter? Like people, like it's this legend stuff. Like, oh, it's not this or that or other. It's like, no, just let, let's just let things play yeah. out. All right. I mean, maybe maybe the gang's gone tomorrow. Who the fuck knows? But I, I think Boba, he's trying to build up a posse. He knows he's fucked, and he also knows if you treat people like that with respect and give them an opportunity and pay their debts, they may lay down their life for you, and it it, it already paid off. I mean, what, what the fuck was Fennec Shand up to? I, I got some, some theories on that. I mean, how, how do you let a Wookiee bigger than Chewbacca ninja himself all the way up to Boba's personal quarters? Come on. I think there's some suspicious shit to talk about. So, Nick, let's get into it. Time for the deep dive. So, yeah, we, we, it sounds like Nick enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Was it the best Star Wars of all time? No, but it's still Star Wars, and it's moving the ball forward. I've learned a little bit more about Boba and why he is the way he is in this timeline. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm not worried about past Boba. I'm worried about, all right, why'd he show up in a, in a fucking nomad outfit with gaffy sticks? Check. Got that. Okay. Why is he doing this stuff now on Mos Espa? Well, you can, you can kind of see why. I mean, there, there's, there's clearly some beef with the Pikes and the syndicates and the way they were treating the natives of Tatooine. And I, I really do think that is his motivation for doing what he's doing. Are we going to learn more in the past? Of course. It, just like I said, it is a key component of how this story is being told. Slap his ass in the back to tank. We're going. And just as Tem promised, some is going to be quick like this week. Some will be long like episode two. Uh, so from here, we're definitely moving into, I think, him stumbling upon Fennec, wanting to get the shit back and, 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 and all the armor stuff. So that, that, is going, that is exciting for me as well. But here we go. Let, let's get into the deep dive. Uh, getting lots of uh, commentary in the live stream. Do appreciate it. So if you want to join the live stream and you're new here, uh, every Tuesdays, approximately 2.30 p. East on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show is where you can find us. 
All right, so uh, time for the eggs, Star Wars references, and in this episode, cameo breakdown of of the uh, episode three here, The Streets of Mos Espa. We knew this yeah. was coming. We got the Bomar Monk. whoop de doo I mean, these people are kind of wild if you actually read about who they are. Um, these guys felt that the best way to become as enlightened as fuck was to rip their brains out and put it in a jar that's carried around by a mechanical spider. So respect. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Respect to these people. Yeah. Um, this guy right here. All right. When I saw him come out, what was his name? Lothar Peel or in Star Wars, something like that. Lothar Peel. It doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't know if we'll see him again. Steven Root. That's, that's, but, that's No, I'm talking about like the, the, the character in Star Wars is like oh, yeah. Lothar yeah. Peel. But yeah, the actor is... Um, Stephen Root, who, if you were paying attention, one of his more notable characters, and it, it's a tagline that a lot of people, at least in my generation, know, but have you seen my stapler? Yeah. Have you seen my stapler? <laughs> he's he's stapler guy from Office Space, among yeah. other comedic roles. Like, he, yeah. he's, he seems to be, yeah, he, he's in those type of films playing bit characters that usually get iconic lines, because he's the guy, right? If you, No, he's not dodgeball, dodge a wrench guy. No. That was no, Rip, he, Rip he's he's dodgeball. He, who's like all about the rules. He's got like the, the ADAA rule book says that you can only have five players on the court at one time right there. Yeah. See, he's like the nerdy guy in dodgeball. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he was in that and stuff. I, so, like, for me, when I saw him, I was like, oh, wow, Stephen Root's in this. And then I remembered I was like, OK, so, you know, this is Rodriguez. Rodriguez is going to probably be a little bit more like cameo heavy than others because he is such a, like a notable director slash filmmaker who's worked with a lot of people before. So it won't, it won't surprise me if we get even more cameos down the line. Yeah. I mean, but, this uh, episode alone had, had a few, I think, who was it? I think it was Johnny said <laughs> up next will be Antonio Banderas <laughs> in the next episode. Cause he's, he's another Robert Rodriguez staple in most of his movies. So, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but hey, it, it's always fun to see these people get pulled in and kind of remember where they where they we've seen them before and funny lines they've said. I also I didn't I didn't end up putting it in the video because I forgot I do this shit way early in the morning on Wednesdays. But I just I love that eight D eight refers to the uh, sail barge blowing up as the sail barge disaster in his timeline. I just I just like that that's what he goes with that that's what it's known in the history of Jabba's palace it is yeah. the sail barge disaster <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was neat see it's it's this little rinky ding bullshit that that gets me off with these Star Wars shows Nick it, it's not the you know hey look at this I mean if we want to bitch about visuals go rewatch the prequels go go rewatch Anakin surfing on the back of some big fat ass cow in the fields of Naboo I mean come on uh, I wish I could wish it all away. I just watched them all three again, and it's like the prequels are my favorite now, but they still have so many issues. I think that's why I love them. They're just, they're lovable now. Lovable. I haven't watched a prequel movie in a long I, time. I, dude, I love them. I love TPM now. Attack of the Clones has really grown on me. I, ju I just love the wonkiness of it, and, and really seeing the, the formation of the clones now that we have the Clone Wars and Bad Batch. It's, it's the little shit like that. Going back to Kamino and seeing little Boba Fett again after we're seeing this. So, hey, there, there's reasons for my madness. And even Revenge of the Sith is, is, gets better and better each time I watch it, thanks to uh, Clone Wars and, and Bad Batch and all that fun stuff. But anyways, moving on here. 
sticking with our Easter eggs, we got a pretty much a direct callback to a transition scene from Return of the Jedi when we return to the palace and see a wart frog sitting outside, yep. just like we got in Return of the Jedi. And as I said in my video, which I'd love for you to check out because numbers drop down significantly from the breakdown from one to two to three. Um, but there was a, it's, it's the same damn frog from Return of the Jedi. You heard it here first. Go ahead and post it on the Reddit forums. Thank you. <laughs> um, next in our breakdown here. Uh, this was a, a, a deep one here and an eagle eye one, right? We had Boba Hell goes, yeah. goes to Mos Eisley. You get the setup for the trooper helmets on a spike. Because you got to remember, this is very shortly after the fall of the Empire. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're stall gung-ho. Well, actually, we don't know. I mean, th this could be a year or two at this point, right? We have no clue yeah, how the, long the, he has been with the Tuscans at this at this yeah, stage. We're kind of losing track of that timeline right. quickly. Yeah. I'm going to say just based on the fact that they're, they got these things on pikes and they looked weathered already, that we're probably a year or two after the fall of the Empire. So yeah. take it to Reddit. You heard it here first. Star Wars time shows the best. Uh, but I almost missed this here. I was like, you know, hey, I can I can mention that. That's a direct reference to Mandalorian because we see Din walk by the same kind of, hey, fuck you, stormtroopers, stay out uh, sculpture that they erected in Mos Eisley. But if you look beyond them, that's our girl uh, Pelly from the Mandalorian yep. and her three pit droids. So that was kind of like a, a trifecta, if you will. Yeah, no, that's that was a good catch. I saw it at first too because I was like, "So are we? Is it actually going to happen the way I said it, where he's going to see Pelly with Grogu and stuff like that? Maybe, uh, maybe they're establishing her here, so it's you know when you see her in future episodes, you're not like, well, where'd she come? Yeah, well, well um, um, yeah. when we get through this, I, I do. I want to have a little bit of a speculation session because I, I think we. We're, we're at a good point now. We know enough that I think we can either add to or retract some of our speculative statements. So remind me of that. Uh, when he goes to meet with the Pike leader, he drops an Obadiah mention, which uh, is their home planet, I believe most recently featured in the Clone Wars Season 7 in the episode arc with Ahsoka and the Martez sisters. There are some... Actually, I think it's Super Scoundrel and Props... I don't see it, gentlemen, uh, but I, I'm a design idiot, but they're, they're trying to say there's, there's hints of like Crimson Dawn in this guy's robe here, and I'm not seeing this, the, the, the direct symbolism matchup. Uh, I'm still not backing off my Crimson Dawn prediction, but I just, I wasn't getting that one, so if you're in here, Justin or Devin, and you can explain design to two idiots, please go ahead and leave a comment, and we'll, uh, we'll come back to it. Uh, but yeah, the Obadiah mention. Uh, we also, th this was another deep one. And this is why I take notes and turn on closed captioning like a douche when I watch the book of Boba Fett for the first time. But we finally get the name of the Nikto gang. They are the Kenton Striders. But being the Star Wars scholar that I am and a fact checker and truth sayer, you know, I'm not like most people. It's just someone tells me something. I accept it as fact without researching it myself. So, you know, this Pike, he's a shady asshole. So I looked up, I wrote down, Kenton Strider's question mark. When I did some research, yes, it's the name of this Nikto game now, but a Kenton Strider is literally one of the creatures we have seen on the Dejaric tables. Uh, I, I had a video, or I had a shot of it in the video breakdown. So again, 
please check that out. Give us some views, some likes, some comments, some subs. Uh, but it's one of the bigger creatures we've seen prominently featured in Dejaric. It's called a Kenton Strider. Uh, so that was that was an interesting one here. Yeah, yeah. It's the one with the hammer, like the big, it almost looks like a Rancor with the big ass shoulders. Yeah, it's almost like like all body and just two long ass arms and squatty legs, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the ones Uh, that that either beats up the big lizard looking one or gets beat up by the big lizard looking one, I believe. So, yeah. Gotta like those deep cuts. I I have a feeling anytime you get that type of stuff, that's Filoni reading Favreau's script and and dropping a little note in here. Be like, hey, yeah, just do call him this. Wink, wink. (laughs) The dorks like Matt Hayward at Star Wars Time Show, they'll get a kick out of this shit, losers. Um, All right, the big cameo, and I I quite enjoyed it, even though it's it's hard when you get characters like like an actor like this. It's like it's hard to see past their real life persona. Yeah. Uh, but you get Treo in here as a new Rancor keeper, which is, it's actually a fantastic role for Trejo. So uh, the fact that just a Rancor rolled up kind of tickled my tits, but then seeing uh, Danny there as its keeper, that was just the cherry on top. And, and I, this is another thing I want to speculate on down the road here, Nick, if you'll let me. Yeah. Because uh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure... If everything's on the up and up here, if I'm just reading into it too much, but uh, th- there was a part of me that feels like, you know what, are the, are the twins and, and Danny here, you know, Machete in space, are they, are they trying to pull a fast one on Boba with this gift? But I, I honestly think he is a genuine rancor keeper, cares about the beast, and does want to see the beast with its new owner being happy and cared for and all that fun stuff. But well, I guess we can talk on that in a little bit. Um... What do we got here? Oh, Danny, while we're in the Rancor pit, and he's kind of talking about the Rancor to the Boba and riding Rancors. There it is. So now we know the leak is definitely going to play out. Not that we doubted it before, but this pretty much cements that we are going to see this guy on the back of a Rancor causing hell, looking like a boss. Maybe that will be enough for everybody, but I'm sure they'll be, the, the, the real anger ones will be, too little, too late. Too little, too late. Boba should have done that episode one. Mayor Mokshay's sounds like Mayor McCheese. What's up with this show? It's a disgrace. Remember, you're saying you're saying that about Favreau and Filoni. Just remember that, because when you come at me in Mando season three, anointing them as, as gods again, I'm gonna I'm gonna I might spit in your face. All right, but anyways, they're sitting here talking about the Rancor, and he gives us a Witches of Dathomir drop. And that, again, this is a little goofy lore shit that I just appreciate. Fantastic. This one, I may be going out on a limb here, but I do just from some other toy photographers, unless they were like one of the few people to watch my breakdown, have also ran with this theory. But Boba says, I've ridden Beast 10 times this size. And I instantly went back to, is this a cheeky ass fucking nod to the holiday special where you see Boba on a goddamn dinosaur? Because he does, be. Nick, he, <laughs> he rides a dinosaur, and, and, the, and, and it has a saddle, so it's like not bullshit, he's actually riding it, I believe in Star Wars land it's called a, an Ichiodon, yes, I go that far with my research, <laughs> but I, do, I, I feel like that was a tip of the hat to nuts that would have even had the light bulb go like, hey, what, is this, is he talking about the dinosaur this motherfucker rode when he was Blue Boba Fett in that goofy ass cartoon, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah. One other thing I liked about this scene was like the very real um like connection made between rancors and pitbulls. Like if you are 
not a person that sees beyond the pictures in front of you, you should realize that everything that they're talking about with the Rancor, in this case, or Rancors in general, is a complete mirror to pit bulls in real life. Oh, it is? I'm not... Listen, I think people think I'm a commie because I don't own a dog. I love animals. I like animals more than people, and that's a true statement. I would rather save an animal than a person at this point in my life. But I, I, yeah, I have no clue. So that, that's a real thing. Like pit bulls essentially bond on sight. Like the first, first human they well, see, like that's their God. I mean, I don't know about the bonding on sight thing, but like all of the perception around him, like, oh, I didn't know that they could feel feelings. I thought that these oh, were yeah, only they're just, they're just creatures that were made for, for fighting and only fighting. I didn't know that they could have you know, relationships with humans and stuff like that. That's like always the perception of pit bulls to people who don't know anything about them. I I, I Um, believe any animal that ends up being a pile of shit is because the human is a pile of shit. I just, I I don't see it. Like I I just, it it doesn't make sense. But anyways, I I did, we'll we'll talk about this scene in our key moments. I I love this scene as as an animal lover and just seeing Tem's performance. I I thought it was a thing of beauty. But again, to some people, it, it makes... I guess Boba Fett looked like he chopped his testicles off. I don't see it that way. I see it as a man that lived in the fucking desert and probably hung out with banthas and and learned to respect the land and the creatures. Growth, okay? Yeah, Boba Fett can grow, okay? It's okay. It is okay that he has gone from just a dude that doesn't say anything in a helmet to a guy that takes his helmet off a lot and has a lot to say, and some of it actually has some compassion behind it. It's okay. It's okay. K, John Favreau, Dave Filoni. That's all you got to keep telling yourself. Oh, I sorry, I forgot to tell you that the whole point we're looking at the slide on the live stream. This this scene was packed with eggs and references, but uh, as Boba is pulled away to go deal with McCheese, he tells Danny Trejo, Rancor Keeper, to grab a Ronto from the larder. And Rontos are those other big-ass dinosaur-looking things that I believe were first featured in the special edition of A New Hope. When they're rolling into most Eisley, you can see, like, Jawas trying to tame it and falling off and all that fun stuff. So I just, I, I, I dig those little, those little nods, even though they're mostly useless. And as I said in the video, if you were keeping a dank ferric bingo card and you had Fennec Shand as your last letter, then you would have won because she was the first one in this series to utter the slang that was introduced in The Mandalorian. She drops the dank ferric when they realize they got played by the major domo. All right, so beautiful stuff. This was a, a deep dive here. Um... We had, I mean, this is like, this is almost Deadpool level shit, like fourth wall. During the chase, Nick, I'm sure you saw the painting. You're probably, yeah, it's a painting. This is Ralph McQuarrie concept art for Return of the Jedi. I mean, Boba Fett himself is in the fucking painting. He's over there in the right behind (laughs) Jabba and Bibbs over there. So, you know, talk about. We know what we're doing. We know how to wink, wink at the diehards. I, I, this was like a, a beautiful little Easter egg. We, I mean, we are, we had art of the guy that the show is about that was created for a Star Wars movie, what going on with 40 years ago at this point, over 40 years. Yeah. So that was, that was a fun one. We had the droid rickshaw. 
you know, I just watched Attack of the Clones again, the Verify. Yep, I'm pretty sure this is the exact same one that wheeled Anakin and Padme around when they were going to look for information about his dying mommy. Uh, the uh, end of the everyone's favorite speeder chase in Star Wars now. Uh, when Homeboy crashes into that stand. If you're a fan of Star Wars Rebels, you may have recognized that, that those were Melaroons which are fruit, and they were actually a plot device in an episode of Star Wars Rebels. Hera is trying to get, I think, Zeb, Ezra, and some of the others to work better together, so she sends them out on a mission to get a Melarune fruit, and here we go. So I like those little callbacks, even though they don't really... That one's not really adding lore to it, but it is a nod to, hey, everything's connected here. We know what we're doing. All right, Nick, so some of the key moments to study here... Right right from the get-go, we got a little bit of a knowledge drop from 8D8, all right? He let us know when he was talking about the sail barge disaster, which I still think is fantastic. Uh, so much so, I think 8D8 should put up a commemorative plaque <laughs> in the palace with all the people that died in the sail barge disaster of, what, uh... 4 ABY uh, or something ABY. like that. Yeah. <laughs> 4 ABY. Yeah. Or whatever, however we're supposed to uh, recount the timeline these days. But um, he, he kind of set some more stuff up, which I think is going to come into play in episode four here. And we'll talk about that when we speculate on what we're going to see. But we learned what happens after Jabba's death. Like we, we actually get a good download here. So yeah, Bib usurped it. He took the throne. But like 88 said, like everyone knew Bib was a little pussy. So he had to make an alliance with the Transdotians, Aqualish, and Clatoonians to split up Mos Espa into sectors. All right. So unlike Jabba, Bib had to rely on these alliances to keep the tributes coming in. And he also drops the, the nugget like, hey, by doing this, it also made the mayor quite wealthy. So right there in that little information download, we now understand why the mayor is not a huge fan of what's happening here. We also understand why Boba's struggling a little bit because Bib was not doing it all by himself. He was relying on these other, you know, vassals, capos, if you will, to kind of keep order who were in turn greasing the mayor and everyone was happy. Bib was getting fat, sitting on the throne. He didn't have to do shit. He didn't have to be a bad guy. He had all these other factions do it for him. So you can see how when Boba comes in and shoots his fat ass that he just completely blew up an underworld system that was working quite well for the three factions and the mayor himself. So it's very clear, at least from the mayor's perspective, like, yeah, this is no good. I got this guy coming in that I might have heard rumors about from the Pikes that were was trying to, to free the, the Tuscans and get them tributes for these syndicates. I can't have them taking my coin away uh, from the setup we had under Bib. So good, good little bit of knowledge there. And yes, I do believe we are finally going to get the the dinner table scene that has been teased since the first trailer. You mean uh, the one that was in episode one? Because everything from the trailers was an episode. Yeah, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's, it must have been a like a, a bonus scene or a deleted been, scene at yeah. this point in time. But yeah, so we, I think we are going to get that dinner scene. Uh, we we have to. We know he's preparing for war at the end of three, so he's got to bring in these capos and give them the speech and see if he can get more people on his side. 
Um, everyone's favorite gang, all right? You know, Jordan Bulger, he's uh, from Peaky Blinders, so I guess you can't hate him too much if you don't like this character. And yeah, whatever, Cyberpunk this and Power Rangers that. I, I get it all. Uh, but, you know, are they the worst thing in Star Wars? I, I don't think so. Um, I still think the worst thing in Star Wars is how Anakin Skywalker's turn to the dark side was handled in film, but what the fuck do I know? I go for, like, the, the, the higher level stuff. Like I said, narrative lore, that's the stuff I'm concerned about, not so much the, the, the way people look or how shitty an action scene is filmed. That, that stuff can be fixed or ignored. You can't ignore bad storytelling, all right? Take that to the bank. But this is just his interaction with the gang and actually showing them respect and giving them a chance. It's just it's there to show you once again, this is not the mindless hunter that he was before he spent some time in the gut of a Sarlacc and then spent some time kind of being broken down, but built back up in a familial setting. Like, this is what it's like, Bo, but this is what you've been missing since you were 10 years old. We understand why you're fucked up. We'd all be fucked up if we had no parents at 10 and then the people that did take care of us were criminals. All right, you gotta, I, I get it. He was a disturbed individual. But that time out in the pit and then his time with the Tuscans has changed him greatly. And I think that's because all he's ever wanted, all, all little Boba has ever wanted was a family. Yeah. He tried to get it from, from the, the, the underworld and it didn't do him justice. Look where it led him. It led him to be a, a buffoon that got slapped dick into the Sarlacc pit. And I think he realized that when he was sitting down. He's like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Why? Why? All right. So I, I did. I, I like the, you know, I, I was even expecting him to show up and be like, all right, fuckers, get the guy's money. But it makes sense that he did what he did. He needs people. He's got nobody. And at this point, I don't even think Fennec truly has his back. I think there's some shady shit going on with her. We'll get to there when we talk about Chrysanthemum's little move. But he needs to build up forces any way he can. And if it's bringing in people that he does a solid for and knows that they now kind of owe him, I think it's a smart move. Even if they have shitty-looking scooters, all right? Don't get me wrong. I, I thought the scooters were dumb. It didn't make sense when they're talking like, we're so poor, we, we have to steal water, yet we can get the nicest-looking scooters on Tatooine. I, I understand a lot of the complaints people had. It just it doesn't affect my overall enjoyment of the character of the series, okay? I just want everyone to be clear on that. I get it. The shit looked wonky. So what? Like I said, the entire prequels looks wonky. These days, and I hate saying this because it's sacrilegious, but there's wonkiness in the originals because they're so fucking old. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, all right. This one surprised me, Nick. I don't know about you. I mean, we talked about last week. I, I really felt the, the tragedy of his Tuscan gang or his Tuscan family would have been shown in full. To really kind of really hammer it home with the viewers like this is bad. They did bad things to Boba. This is why he wants to clean shit up. But I, I think it still achieves that goal without showing the massacre. And I also think not seeing the massacre leaves room for further fleshing out. Because I said this in, in the breakdown here. We did not see the body of the warrior and I believe we didn't see the body of the child. We saw the body of the chief, so yes, we can count the chieftain as dead. 
in fiction, if you don't see a body, the character isn't necessarily dead. So I yeah. think that, um, but this was probably also to kind of reinforce like, Hey, Bobby, you did that thing with the train. You got these people mixed up in the, in the crime world. Now, now you're going to pay like the, who, who you're kidding yourself. If, if you think the Kenton Striders did this on their own, the, the fucking Pikes sent these motherfuckers after him. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of basically get around to that anyway. When like towards the end of the episode where they're like, Oh Yeah. New faction, blah, 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 it's the Pikes, you know. Like, now we know that the Pikes are really the people who are kind of pulling the strings here. Um, I in, in terms of the massacre, I don't think it was necessary to see it. I mean, we didn't see Luke's, you know, aunt and uncle getting killed by the stormtroopers. We showed up and it was basically True a enough. similar scene. Everything was fucking set on fire. Yeah. And you had bodies strewn on the ground. So I think that, you know, if anything, it was very similar to what we saw in A New Hope that kind of triggered... Luke's journey and, you know, what he ended up turning into. And it's similar to, you know, for Boba Fett now, like this is triggering kind of a, a life change moment. Like Luke was, you know, Luke always wanted to, to get out. Oh, you're and do spot stuff, on. But run, run, yeah. Nick, run. You're, you're hit. You, you got it. Go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, he wanted to get out and do stuff, but would like realistically, if his aunt and uncle weren't killed, would Luke have no. gone out and joined the rebellion? No, of course not. And, Boba Fett was was becoming very comfortable with the with the Tuscans. And, you know, he even, you know, right before the the massacre scene, what we saw is like now he's, you know, trying to help them. Like, look, you guys are going to get protection money now because we're, you know, we're we're going to run protection for these Pike syndicates and stuff like that. And and he needed this is what he needed to kind of catapult his life into what we see now, which is him. Uh, you know, moving away from just being this this nomad and settling for this uh, Tuscan lifestyle, and now becoming a a crime lord, or a, I mean, at least that's kind of what we think he's going for is is crime lord. But you know, maybe he's got a different perception of what he's what he's. Yeah, becoming. I really, I mean, this scene now clearly it, we we've this is the transition moment, as Nick said. I mean, that was a beautiful parallel between a new hope because you're right; it's the exact same idea. Uh, I think Boba was content to kind of hang with these people, maybe for the rest of his life. Yeah. He went out. He was he was the money man, right? He was trying to get he was trying to get the tribute. That's where he learned that the that the that the Kenton Striders also supposedly had a protection deal with the Pikes, and clearly, like I said, the Pikes sent them there to do this, and they probably knew Boba was leaving to come get the money and set all this up. And it, it is spot on, as Nick said, this is 100% the burning of Delar's farm and Baru and Owen. Same, same idea. And for those in the um, chat here, clearly you didn't watch my video, so shame on all of you. I need more views. It keeps me going. I know all the gaffy sticks were burned. We did not see the bodies. A gaffy stick is not a body. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the kid a bit because the fact that he pulled it out of his robe implies that he saw the dead body and, and kept the stick for burning. But I also and I, I really didn't feel like doing this. I usually do this. So if someone wants to do it and prove me wrong, please do it because I don't feel like doing the, the, the heavy lifting here. But I thought the, the warrior's gaffy stick had prongs on the end and not just a straight blade, because that is what he throws into the flame is a straight bladed gaffy stick. 
So if someone can verify that that's exactly what her stick looked like, then sure, but we still didn't see the body. All right. I'm sticking to it. it we've seen it too many times in other fiction. If you don't, hell, it, it happened in War of the Bounty Hunters. After I read the first comic, I thought Zuckus was dead and Forlom's dead, but they weren't. We never saw the body. They all came back. So just, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm holding out a little hope that the warrior woman at minimum is going to come in at a, at a, a poignant moment, maybe even in the present timeline and kind of do like a huzzah, like, ha, I'm here, <laughs> motherfucker, like comes at the last it. second and, and whacks someone that's about to take out Boba. I don't know. They could all be dead. Sure. I know the gaffy sticks are symbolic to the person, but we only saw the chieftain's body. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> what do you think, Nick? Are they all dead? Am I being a, am uh, I reading too much I into mean, fiction rules here? I mean, in Star Wars, it's definitely a rule that if you don't see the body, then you're likely going to see them again. I mean, like we saw that with fucking, what's his name? With Palpatine and right. Ben Solo. And, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, come on. If, if they can back. fucking bring Palpatine back at this point, yeah. anyone can I mean, come back. Any, so, come, come on. So, so it doesn't really matter. But I don't think that, like for me, I think that they've served their purpose, honestly. Like, I, like would it be cool? Like, would I say... Oh no! Don't bring her back. If the if the warrior woman did come back, and then she she ends up being like one of his, you know, chief bodyguards or something like that, totally fine. But I also think that if if they left it this way, then I would be totally fine yeah. Just clarifying again for in the chat, the chief stick was the bigger one with the like the four prong or it, it has multiple prongs on. It, it looks more like a staff than a gaffy stick. So. I mean, the chiefs clearly went in, then the, the straight pointed one went in, then he pulled out the kids from his robe. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like the warrior, I don't know, might have, might have a little comeback moment. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely possible. And I would be, I'd be all for it. I'd be all for it for sure. Um, but I like, I'm okay. Cause like the, here's like the Tuscans were a means to an end. Like the Tuscans were never going to be an end game or even part of an end game for Boba. Like, you know, we we know that the story was going to progress past them, and I think that if they left it this way, then they did enough to. Yeah, no, no. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I kind of put it out there maybe after episode one or two is like, hey, in the present timeline, based on what he's done for all the Tuscans and what he's trying to do, maybe he'll have a little Tuscan army that that could come in, and that might still yeah. be the case if the warrior <laughs> so, lived, yeah. right? Like if the warrior lived and went around to the other tribes talking about the great bald man that they ran into the outsider that became one i guarantee you she could drum up a a a following that would support her and supporting him so i'm not fully giving up on on warrior woman being gone but if she is nick is correct uh, they have played their role in the plot 100 percent because as we see this quick vision end in this episode i mean he's he's moving on and i think from here we probably get him and this I, I'm still kind of tossing around my head like, all right, how does he get tracked in on Fennec in season one of The Mandalorian? And I, I think he really is just out and about in his territory and probably heard the, the, the shenanigans going on and he went in to investigate. I don't think he would have had a reason to be tracking Din during the season one events of The Mandalorian. Because uh, I, I even went back, I was like, well, why was Fennec on Mos Eisley, in it, or I'm sorry, on Tatooine in The Mandalorian? And we learned from, what's his name, Talico or Ra that, that shithead bounty hunter guy, wannabe bounty hunter from Mando. Mm -hmm. 
He's like, nah, she's wanted by the New Republic, and she's been hiding out on Tatooine. So she was literally just chilling she there, was there, trying <laughs> like, to not get killed. So, you know, Boba Fett, he wouldn't know about that bullshit. I mean, maybe he nah. heard about an assassin out in the Dune Sea, but I, I really think he just kind of stumbles upon her carcass through his normal rounds of living out in the desert. Uh, I, I really think he probably doesn't start tracking Din until season two. But I, I, we're, we're going to get this shit in a flashback. I, I just know it. I mean, Nick called it. That's where Din and Grogu come into the book of Boba Fett. I just believe it's it's going to be the their season two adventures on Tatooine versus season one. Because I'm uh, outside of him just hearing like, hey, there's a Mandalorian in, in most Pelgo, or there's a, there's a Mandalorian just in, in most Isley. All right, maybe he would be interested, but I don't know. I, I don't see the motivation for tracking bounty hunters because uh, he, he, he's not an idiot. He knows he couldn't take on a Mandalorian in full Beskar in his fucking gaffy stick setup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if he thought he could do that, he would have done that in uh, episode six when he actually confronts Mando. He would have just jumped at him and tried to take it. He, he knew like, all right, I got to like, I got to ask this guy nicely because let's be real. Even with Fennec, I probably have no fucking chance to, to get my armor from this guy by trying to kill him. It just, yeah. it, it wouldn't work. So I don't know. What, what do you think? What, do you think, do you think Boba just kind of stumbles on Fennec? in his territory or is there some sort of, Hey, uh, there's bounty hunters here looking for someone. I want to go check this shit out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still think that it's going to be pretty similar to what we, to what we talked about before, where he's going to essentially see like for me, like showing Pelly in the background was almost a confirmation of kind of, you know, what we talked about before where he hears like, Oh, there's a there's a Mandalorian on planet because like Mandalorians aren't all that common at this point. No, in time not at all. During the I don't I don't want to like cut even, you off. Sorry, but we there's actually I think uh, Connor here press play has a decent idea here. You know, maybe he gets turned on to Din because of Din is kind to Tuscans too. I don't know. I mean, that that may yeah. travel. Like, hey, there there was a a, a warrior here talking with us, looking for somebody. I don't know. But uh, the other one... But he, he, he was tracking... He was tracking Din. Well, he says and helped him with the crate Dragon, but he was tracking Din before the crate Dragon stuff. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be that... But that's the thing is, like, Tuscan... We, do we even know if, like, Tuscan tribes communicate with each other? Like, was this tribe in communication with any other tribes? If there were survivors, you know, if... Right. If the warrior did survive, then yeah, like he could get out that, hey, this guy is a friend of Tuscan's and look, you know, maybe he can link up with another uh, band and then they can tell him about Din. That would be one way, but that would assume that there were survivors of the massacre. Um, But the other way, the only other way that I see him really getting mixed up with Din is like, he has to see something because he doesn't have friends now. Like he doesn't have somebody that that's going to tell him like, Hey, I saw some guy walking around with Mandalorian armor and most Pelgo. Like he doesn't have sources of information. So he has to find this shit himself. Um, so that's, that's what I think. And kingdom in the chat, bringing it up here. I think it makes sense. I mean, honestly, by the time he does find Fennec, he has been in the desert for five or six years. 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean 100%. That, is, that, that is the Mando timeline is 
five, six years, I think sometimes seven. You never really know the exact time. But, I mean, we like when he was rolling through most Eisley, that very well could have been multiple years past Return of the Jedi at that point. Yeah. I mean, and, I was always one to say from the beginning that they haven't really done a good job of establishing timeline in the past. But as if we're to assume that he got out of the, like the Sarlacc pit within a day of him actually falling in it, then yeah, he, he was there for five to seven yeah. years. No, I, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, I think he, I really do. I think he was set on hanging out with these people. He found the family. Yeah. It was, it was good enough. It was, it was giving him what he needed. He, he was still kind of, you know, he, he could still rough people up for, for tributes uh, but he also had that family structure that I do think he has been looking for ever since Mace Windu decapitated his father. Yeah, definitely. Um, it'll be interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think the flashbacks moving forward, if not the one we saw in episode three, is right in the Mando timeline or butting up right to it, 100%. Yeah, because, yep. I mean, it would be odd. Like, again, like, we don't know. Did this massacre happen two years down the road? Did it happen six months down the road. We don't know. Like we have no idea when this takes place. It seems like this is the first time that he was going to collect from the pikes because yeah. if it wasn't the first time, then they wouldn't be like, well, we're already paying somebody else. True. So that was a good point. So, like, but it, even then the, like the, the, the train attack could have been a year, three years after he was pulled line. out of the like, pit. I mean, they, yeah, they could have made yeah. him sit in that white jumpsuit for three years. Yeah, it's like, just who learning knows like, yeah, learning. So, would you be, I know sometimes people get disappointed, but would you prefer if they actually put like present, I mean the present we know, but if they did, if they did like a kind of closed captioning five years ago, four years ago, three years I ago? Be a, no, no, I think that that would be okay. And if no. people got pissed off about that, then I don't really give a fuck. Um, but it would help to give you a little bit of context in terms of timeline because yeah. you are... It's it's hard to tell because they didn't de-age him and they they chose to just keep him looking pretty much the same from now and yeah, I mean, he gets, from present time. Let's be real. Time. He gets his eyebrows back in a better tan yeah. in the present timeline and, and a few less yeah. scars than what we see in, so, in, it's in hard, the flashbacks. But, yeah, I mean, I would have been fine. Or even if they would have done it in terms of like, you know, like giving you small updates on like what's happening in the universe to give you perspective, you know, like if. You know, if they said something or if he heard something about like, hey, uh, Imperial Remnant uh, or, you know. Well, like they did in um, Mando with Cobb Vance backstory. I think that's exactly what you're looking for, right? They they do like a do-do-do, but they show people celebrating the, the second Death Star blowing up. So you instantly know in your head, all right, bang. That's it. Here Luke, we, yeah. yeah, Luke. Luke literally is just wheeling out of the Death Star on a a, a shuttle with his dead dad. Lando sh- shooting out of the fucking hole after they just blew it up. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. That's probably the way to do it. Like in- incorporate an in-world event that clearly defines what era or a general timeline. I like. Yeah. It. Like sign if this, they would sign this kid up. Hey Favreau. Like sign if they would have shown off in the because like look when the Death Star exploded we were led to believe that that could be seen from like everywhere. They saw it in the core worlds. They saw it everywhere. 
So if the, even if they would have shown that, like they look up at one point and they're like, holy shit, what was that? And and you see like this big explosion. And that, that thing would like, have to have been the size of like a galaxy for, for the whole galaxy to see it blow up. Yeah. But it's like from what we saw, like everybody, they saw it on fucking Naboo. Like, so if, if, if something as simple as that, like he may not have known, like he would look up and see like, well, what the fuck is that? But like for us, I, I like we would you. know yeah. like, oh shit. That, like, that'd probably be like the... The, the cheekiest way to do it, you yeah. know, without just being huh, four years ago, you just be like, all right, I, I like that, but Hey, we're, we're clearly not getting it. So we can go fuck no. ourselves. <laughs> so this is where I'm going to kind of go on with, with, with Boba. I, I just, I can't make the connection to him tracking Din in season one of the Mandalorian. It just, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't, line up like what would he get out of it because he's not going to pry the armor off of him if his intention was i want some armor back it just no fucking way you're not going to have an unarmored person pry off the armor of a fully trained death watch member of mandalorian society it's not going to happen i don't care how fucking badass he is with that gaffy stick it would just sound like this clink 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 clunk clink i mean Nick's favorite thing to say about Din is he's a he's a bullet sponge and (laughs) he would be just as big of a sponge for a gaffy stick. So why would he be tracking him? It it just it it doesn't make sense. I I, I'm going to have a feeling in the flashback. We we truly just see him roll up on the scene because it's taken part in whatever territory he's been chilling at. And when he finds her and brings her back to life and learns what the fuck's going on, I think that's when he's like, all right. Let's get to it. Maybe Fennec's the one that tells him about Cobb Vanth, because that's the other thing we kind of need to figure out. How does he know that Cobb Vanth was the one that had the armor? Yeah. Because he knows, he knows that Din got the armor from Cobb Vanth. I mean, I believe there's I believe he even mentions Cobb Vanth. Correct? Yeah. Or, am I correct says, or am yeah. I not? I'm pretty sure he says he he mentions Cobb Vanth by name. So he does know that he has it and he knows that Din comes in possession of it. But notice he waits until Din leaves planet to try and get it. So I'm thinking he doesn't even try to go back to get the Slave One until the second season of Mandalorian. And he knows for a fact that dude with a razor crest and a little green guy just got my armor. I need to go get it. Yeah, so it almost seems like he's he's more tracking Cobb Vanth than he was Mando. There, there, there could be that. But the other thing, Nick, th- we learned that he tracked the Razor Crest. So did he did he go to Mos Eisley? Did he know from season one that this guy is coming here? And maybe this could be his ticket to getting some armor back. I don't know. It's it's I'm really think, fucked up over this at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I'm losing. It, it is a little confusing, but I think now the opportunity to him for him to go to Mos Eisley is way more likely um, cause he's on his own again. He, th- yeah. There's nowhere for him to go. And he probably knows most Eisley better than most Espa at this point in his life. So he's probably going back there and is like, look, it is a hive of slash villainy. And that's yeah. perfect. For so he's him. like, if I, if, if I'm going to know anybody on this planet, it's going to be most Eisley. And this is where I left my ship. So let's see if we can, if, you know, maybe we can, get a little bit of familiarity I, I, back. I don't need a, a, a deep dive into this, but I, I do hope at least for my own sanity that they iron out like how he, you know, gets wind of Din and why he ends up at the, at the battle of Fennec Shand. We'll just call it that. 
I'm, yeah, I, I, as of today, I don't know shit. I'm gonna go with just kind of making his rounds, and and he comes up on it. I don't know. I don't know. It's fucking with me. I, I I'm failing at. I'm usually good at this stuff, but this one, I'm drawing blanks. So we're just gonna move on. Yeah, yeah, moving on, moving on. Okay, yeah. There's the dead chief. See, yeah, right there. If you're on the live stream, see his gaffy stick is very pronounced. It's more of a staff than a stick. So his definitely went in the fire. And like I said, the you're looking at this one here, and it's got the just a a non pronged tip. Probably not the right way to describe it, but it's a non pronged tip. And, the, and if we're saying that's the warriors, I don't know. I thought she had the traditional prong on the end. And then yeah, the sad pull and look and solemn reflection of the child Tuscan's little stick. Rest in peace, little guy. If you're truly dead. Uh, all right. So here's one I I I, I kind of ate up some of our speculation nonsense there because I'm just spinning my wheels on what we see Boba next and how he gets keyed into both Fennec Shan and his where his armor's at. But this whole break in by Kersantan, uh, dude. Did it send off any alarms in your head? Were you like, okay, you, you see how up Boba's ass Fennec is for most of the episode and like, hey, you know, I got your back, I'm here, and I'm, I'm your number two. And then somehow a big seven foot plus tall hairy son of a bitch stealths his way all the way up to Boba's room. We got to remember Boba's in one of those like silos in the palace. Like he's up there. So unless this motherfucker had a grappling hook and climbed his fat ass up the outside of the tower and jumped into Boba's window, how does he get into the palace unnoticed, in particular by a master assassin, Fennec Shand? Oh, so here, I mean, for me, that's easy to explain, but you go on first. <laughs> I'm... I'm gonna. I'm starting to feel, and I think uh, press pause, aka Connor, said something similar. I'm starting to feel that, yeah, she is kind of getting tired of the new Boba, like a lot of Star Wars fans, in quotes, fans. And she is, she does have something up her sleeve, to either, you know, usurp him, or deliver what a bigger power out there wants. Could she be working directly for Crimson Dawn? Does she have her own aspirations to take over now that she realizes that Boba doesn't want to get tough? Because you, you got to be honest. Anytime he goes soft, she gives him side eye like, what? What? Like, this would be so much easier if we just fucking shooting people. Like, what are you doing? So there's a part of me knowing who she is. And, and even if you look at the end of the fight, he's hanging on the ledge. The cyberpunks could have sat there and, and taken pot shots at him and murdered the motherfucker. What does she do? She throws a fucking knife at his hand so he falls down. Little curious. Little curious that a big guy like this can get in there all the way up to Lord Fett, beat his ass for a little bit, would have killed his ass if it wasn't for, what's her name, Scad, I mean, he showing up and, and stabbing <laughs> him in, in, in the kidney. He would have killed him if he just would have kept choking him. I mean, it, that was very much a movie scene. Like, if we want to ground this in real life, he's dead before he even gets. Oh out yeah, the come water. on, we we can't. I mean, we we can't. <laughs> I mean, a Wookiee against a non-Beskar wearing human, it 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 goes nowhere. But what, also, like, like he, when he bit, like when when 
her Santon bit his hand, he would have bit his fucking whole hand off. Like there was a lot in that fight that it's like, okay, I know that you're like suspending right. disbelief because this is Star Wars. I don't know. I thought Tem did great acting he when alive. he was bending his big toe up when he was getting that bear hug. You know, he's like, yeah. and you see his little big toe pop yeah, up like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, my explanation is pretty straightforward. The guy's hired by fucking Jabba the Hutt's nephews. They probably know this palace. They've probably uh, been to this like, palace. He, like some it's secret a, entrance. It's, yeah, it's a huge fucking palace. They've been there for two and a half weeks. They don't even know how half the shit in there works. Yeah. <laughs> like, well. and so they could just be like, yeah, there's a fucking back door. Just go in that way. <laughs> like, to me, that's probably the most likely thing, but it's also not out of the realm of possibility that, that Fennec is. I, I just have to turn a feeling that, that she's going to do something, and it, it's, it's going to be out of spite in how he is choosing to rule. Um, and I, I, there, there were hints of it in their interviews. Like, she's like, yeah, we're anti-heroes and Hey, you know, I mean, the, the, they're, they're cordial to each other, but they're still, they are these people that they were for the most part. Um, anti-heroes are usually in it for themselves more than other people. I honestly think Boba, that might've been a smokescreen. He may be moving towards, I hate to say this, but more of a heroic character. Um, I mean, I think that there's still going to be like, I feel like if anything, he's moving away from a villain and towards an anti-hero. That's kind of the big thing that we okay. see now, because like a crime, like a, a benevolent crime Lord is still a crime. It's lord. A, yeah, you're, you're very And it's correct. like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, an oxymoron <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, he's a, he's a crime boss, but he's a really nice guy. But, but he's nice. And look, yeah. he's and then like, that's what they're trying to show you with the gang is like, yeah. He could easily come in, be shithead, just like all the rest of them and shit on all the little people around here. That's that. That was the whole scene with the gang and stuff like, but he's taking a different approach instead of being a crime lord. Who's like, yeah, fuck all the little people and let the, let the big corporations, AKA the, the vassals profit from this. He's going to be the type of crime lord that says, Hey, look, we're going to like, we're going to, be ruthless and we're gonna we're gonna do things that uh, a, a typical crime syndicate does but the people who are gonna benefit from this are gonna be different than the people who were benefiting when Boba or when Jabba was around or when yeah. Bib Fortuna was running stuff so it, it doesn't have to be like very much people always look at things in black or white like oh my god he's being nice to those people he's a hero this isn't the Boba Fett that I remember it's like you can be nice to people and still be a an anti-hero or yeah. you can still be a villain like you don't need to be mean to everybody that you see or or he something just really like that. hasn't <laughs> showcased any selfishness so far outside of the stinger where he walks in and murders everybody and takes the throne i mean outside of that he doesn't want to eat all the food he has he's he's not a his his vassals he's not taking all their money you know he's not killing people that piss him off so i don't know i i just the whole chrysanthemum thing getting in there so easy peasy uh, fennec throwing darts and not just wanting to shoot him in the face i can I, see why he why she wouldn't kill him though because now she's like we got a bargaining chip like we have yeah, true it's like you just like his we, if, well, and, if and they tried known, it, but the twins were like, hey, fuck you. We don't care. It's keep like, him. He's yours like, now. Yeah. Like, he's a slave, yeah, exactly. essentially. You keep him. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't I don't think that they expected, like, oh, like, them to pull out that easy. And I'm not saying that it is going to be that easy. Like, I don't think that the twins are completely finished with this either. Um, but 
it's it's weird. It is. It it wasn't weird to me that they chose not to kill him straight up. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't sleep on Fennec having a a double heel turn. I mean, she's already kind of a heel, but I, I could see her. Yeah. Uh, possibly betraying her boy after not really loving how he is choosing to rule. Yeah. And I think that like at the end when they let Kersantin go, like that is, of course, Boba would do that. Like mm-hmm. Kersantin is a bounty hunter. Boba used to be a bounty hunter. Well, he he knows says as much. I mean, he gives him a little game, life man. lesson. He's like, don't, don't work for shitheads. I forget the slang he used, but he's like, don't work yeah. for skag holes or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's he's like, like trust me from a former bounty hunter. Don't work with skaggles. And yeah, Kersantin like, look, looks man. at him like, what, what the fuck is this? I like how he runs away. He's like, yeah, feet like, don't fail me now. He's like, yeah, he, he's, he's like, running. Oh, and they're like, they're like, dude, you're free to go. It's he's like, like, look, Boba yeah. might have said I'm gone, but that Fennec is always giving side yeah. eyes. She <laughs> might just shoot me in the back of my head. Yeah. So I'm running. Yeah. So I thought that was a good mark because it, it continues to, to give you what Boba was like, that's bounty hunter life. It's like, Hey, look, man, you were paid to kill me. You tried your best. Didn't happen, but Hey, no hard feelings. You get on out of here. <laughs> like, I don't see, uh, you know, I'm being told that I'm, I'm giving too much credit for the, uh, what, 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 what I guess I'm portraying as intelligent writing in this show. I don't know. I mean, like I said, we, we have a piece coming up here after the breakdown where Ming-Na Wen herself says like, just chill out people. John and Dave, they're 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 masters here. They're they're laying the groundwork. You don't even know what they're laying, and when you see it, you're gonna want to rewatch the whole series because it's gonna be completely different to you now. So, I'm just you know I'm I'm holding out. I don't I don't know. I just there's something about the Chrysanthemum attack, the way Fennec has been acting, especially in this episode, the side eyes. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a lot of goofy shit going on. All right, so I, I was glad to see the twins again so soon. I do. These, these are becoming some of my favorite huts. I like their dynamic with each other, how they're almost, you know, one brain with, with two mouth holes. Um, and then I just, I lo- you got to love the honesty of huts, though. I mean, they just come right out yeah. and said, hey, pal, we fucked up. We sent them to kill you. Sorry. To make up for it, we're going to give you a rancor. We good? Okay, great. We'll also give you Chrysanthemum if you want them. You know, fuck them. We don't care. Um, but we're getting the hell out of here. But really, the key moment of this scene is you, you get to learn a little bit more about what McCheese is up to here. Um, so he's playing all sorts of people at this point. I mean, in episode, what was that, episode two, he's like, hey, go 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 to Garces and you'll learn what's really going on. And that's where the twins get introduced. And then you think it's the twins that are... Uh, the, the the big to do the ones fucking with Boba and now just in episode three they're coming back saying hey listen this mayor's a shithead even for our type he's a dick he's mm-hmm. promised your territory and our territory to a, another syndicate and then they give him Kersantan and I wouldn't be surprised if Boba's leniency on Kersantan leads to a, a team up or a help out in the future either. Like, I feel like that was almost a, I did you a favor when I'm in need, maybe you'll, you'll have my back type of moment here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just, I, I love the twins. They're fantastic. I'm sad to see them go, but they, they did give us some good information. I mean, they're, and I know Nick's saying like, and, and he could be right. They could definitely be blowing smoke, but they essentially tell Boba, like, listen, this shit's getting to be too much work for us. It's bad for business what the mayor's doing and this other syndicate he's got going on. So if I were you, 
make like us and get the fuck out of here. Like, it's just, it yeah. ain't worth it, bro. Like you, you don't even know what's coming down the pike here. Just, just give up. It's not worth it. And you know, we, I'll talk about this more later, but we know the huts aren't scared of the fucking pikes. Okay. Like if anyone thinks the pikes revealed midway through the show are the big bad, you're on crack. It almost is making me feel better about my CD theory, which at times I'm like, no, this, this ain't going to work out based on the comics, but no way two huts are going to be scared of the pikes. The pikes have never caused fear for anyone. They've always been the syndicate that almost needs other syndicates to kind of be their heavies. You know, that's why they went in league with Maul because they knew Maul could get shit done and people were scared of him. So I, I'm, I'm predicting right now, not that this should be a surprise considering I threw the speculation out weeks before the show aired, the Pikes aren't the end-all be-all. They're, they're not the big scary syndicate that the, that the Huts are afraid of. But I still like the knowledge dumps they gave us. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. I mean, we'll see. It, it also seems like the twins in general are just like lazy and they're like, oh, it's hard. So I don't feel like fucking with this anymore. It could be that too, but yeah, I, I just, the bikes are the end game. it's like this mayor is clearly a little more troublesome than I think we all expected. But you know, from the leak, he was kind of positioned as the main adversary early on. And then a big bad does come in, but uh, mayor Moshe's is, is he's got a few more layers than, he was presented to have of just sitting on a nice little throne. I mean, this guy's scheming against Huts. He's scheming against Lord Fett. Uh, he he clearly has a, a a plan, but I also think he he has a backing. And you know, CD Crimson Dawn, Crimson Dawn, Crimson Dawn. Still doesn't make sense based on the comics, considering she didn't want to be like the number one crime syndicate. She just wanted to take down the Sith. But I'm sticking to it. I, I really do believe Crimson Dawn will be revealed to be. Uh, the main force here. I, I'm still not sure why they want to fuck with Boba Fett outside of Kira just having a hard on for what he did to Han, but I don't know. I, Like I said, that was not her main goal, at least through the first issue of Crimson Reign. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to give up on that speculation because if I win, it's going to be one of the greatest Hail Mary speculations of all time. I'll go down in history of the most unviewed and most who gives a shit Star Wars fan personality on the Internet. And that's what I strive to be. Uh, we talked about the, uh, you know, giving the Wookiee up and him looking at him. So I do think that was kind of a. All right. If shit happens in the future and I need you. I won't even charge you for it type of deal. Like, all right, I get you. I get you, Boba. You know, we're both kind of cocksuckers or we're cocksuckers, but you're an honorable cocksucker. <laughs> um, running away. All right. I know a lot of people hate this moment too, and I, I said it earlier, but I, I just absolutely love the, the Boba loves his rancor scene. I thought it was great. <laughs> I love yeah. the way template it. Like I said, I'm an animal guy myself, so I completely related to all of it and just the almost the instant bond and love that Boba had for this rancor. So hopefully we get a name next episode, but uh, if anything, this clearly confirms that we're getting the riding scene. I mean, at this point it's unavoidable. He even yeah. asked, Hey, teach me to ride this shit. Yeah. Can I, can I ride it? <laughs> Just yeah, straight exactly. up? Like they're not even fucking around. It's like, yeah, it's going to happen. It probably will be finale S that may be the wow moment we talked about last week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, come on, it, it's, it's as good as done at this point in time. 
Yeah. I just do you think he's gonna like paint it up and put like some tribal paint on on it or maybe get it some new armor? He's just gonna roll out as is. I hope he puts some stuff on it to like make it, you know, his yeah. own. Paint like a big ass like fucking that, you know? mythosaur on its on its stomach or so. But he doesn't give a fuck yeah. about Mandalorian culture. He's not one. Uh and here we go. The infamous speeder chase scene. Um whatever. We we've said our piece on this. It it looked awful. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, come on. Uh, I, I really, I do question how the people behind this show looked at that and said, yeah, th- this, this isn't going to get anyone to make fun of us. Let's just, let's do it. It looks good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it just feels odd coming from Robert, you know, like, he, well, like I, I know you don't see a lot about the critiques, but they're like, Oh, spy kids, spy kids. Cause if you watch, I, I didn't know, I've had to watch spy kids cause my kid likes them. I've never it, seen it's all kid. I mean dude it's just like the visuals are so bad I mean it's like they don't even care that they're shooting on green screen and it, they have to pretend they're just like sit on it it's gonna look fake who gives a shit and that that's what happened in this episode they're like yeah the bikes are real but it, when when we take out the wheels and shit it's gonna look like you're going two miles an hour all right so yeah I, I don't know man it's weird so like maybe Maybe they didn't see it after they had put it into, uh, like after they had done post on it because no, it's hard wait, to judge. No, like I don't know. I'm trying to give like some kind of justification, <laughs> but but it's like it's hard to judge speed when all you're referencing it to is a green screen. Yeah. But as soon as you put it into perspective with everything there and like they're passing like. Stationary objects. Yeah, at they're, very they're, that's slow the thing speed. though. This isn't the volume. This is that backlot yeah. set in in L.A. So there there were practical sets there, and it just I don't know. Yeah. They're like, hey, well, fuck it, American Graffiti. Yeah, and yeah. Hey, it was. It I mean, I good. could see it. Like, it would have been cool if it was fast. And of like, course. I don't give a shit about yeah, the I mean, color of the speed. Like all the people who are complaining about the color of the yeah, speeders are the people who are literally. The ones that I like called out last episode. It's just like, if that's the shit that you care about, then God, I wish that there's something in your life that's a little bit more important to you than this. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like if, if and that's some, if that's a what I've been trying being to say. Green is that much of a fucking offense to you. Then I really feel sorry for the rest of your life. Okay. Thank you. Like at least, you, <laughs> at least you're odd. saying it this time and not me. Cause I, I always get labeled as the angry shithead here. So I'm glad you're letting a little like, more of the dark side into I don't your system. Know, dude, it's like, it, it's so nitpicky and shit that doesn't matter. Like I a hundred percent agree that like it looked like shit because <laughs> they were going so slow. And it's like, especially the parts where they're like oh. jumping stuff. Oh my it's God. Like, dude, it's it's like, like you're jumping something, but you have no speed to actually make a jump. Like I could run faster than these speeders. Uh, That's my problem with yeah. it. If your problem is some fucking colors, then like, dude. Reading I'm, it, I, th- there was an interview with, with Sophie Thatcher. Cause I, I guess she's kind of becoming a thing now, not only from Book of Boba, but apparently this yellow jacket show is kind of taken off as like maybe a new a new sensation to watch. I don't know if that's Showtime or whatever, but she said that like they were either on a rig or it sounded like the fucking scooters actually had wheels and the the actors were riding around on them. But it's just like they forgot to hit fast forward. I mean, for Christ's sakes, they make the trench run look like Luke's going fast in 1977. 1977. (laughs) And that's just a, that's just a static model with like a, a screen whipping by it real quick. I don't know. It's like, and I'm with you. And I opened up kind of the critique of the episode with like, I get it. It looked like vomit 
but it, it has no effect on the story for me. I don't care. Yeah, can we sit there and make fun of it? Sure. But it, it didn't get me angry. It didn't ruin the lore that was built up or added to the character of Boba Fett. Um, I mean, like if that's if if that's what made you hate an episode that featured a cool fight scene with Black Kersantan, that featured him getting his rancor, that featured the slaughter, like the the death pyre of the Tuscan family that he made. People world like building. It, all of that shit is in this one episode, and like. You have something that that is literally pain on speeders and they're going a little slow. If that like wrecks this whole series for you, then like maybe you should get another hobby to complement Star Wars. Like maybe you should (laughs) invest time in something else. So you have more energy to like since you have so much energy to put towards hating the color of a speeder, take some of that extra energy, play a video game. Read a book series. Find a new movie series that you can get into. Put the social media down. It's just, it's not good. It's not good for any of our brains. I wish I could disconnect from it. I hate it. I'm I'm like Nick. I I wish I could be Nick. I really do. Uh, But I guess someone's got to fuck around on this stuff for the Star Wars time show. So I take it, I take it for the team, but it is, it does get nauseating. And yes, you could say I'm an asshole too, the way I used to talk about Boba Fett, but did I ever say that because Boba Fett was a bozo, it ruined Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi? No. I just called it out for what it is. It, it, him dying looks just as dumb as these fucking speeder bikes. Challenge me. Challenge. <laughs> you, you tell me Boba Fett dying in Return of the Jedi d- doesn't look any more silly than the fucking speeder chase? Come on. Come yeah. on. The most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy literally gets jacked in the rocket by a blind guy and goes dead come on come on uh but really the reason we're looking at this is we finally get from the major domo some actual information and he says yeah the mayor is kind of being a dickhead he's in leagues with the pikes and then that's what we get them showing up on that now we know what that ship was called a starliner right so uh, they roll in, and then at the end, Fennec's like, uh-oh. Uh, Drax calls in, like, hey, boss, they're, they're coming in. They're first wave, this, that, and the other thing. All right, then we'll prepare for war. So there you go. The Book of Boba Fett, S1E3, broken down ad nauseum by your two bros at the Star Wars Time Show. Love us or hate us. We're just, you know, we do this for fun. I do still enjoy Star Wars. I can be critical about it. Uh, but visuals really will never uh, break the franchise for me in, in any way. So I'm not going to yeah. go. I'm not going to hit below the belt like Nick was saying and calling you a bunch of idiots and you need to get new hobbies. But he is, he's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's just I've gotten to the point with the fandom to where it's like it's just painful. Like, it's just painful. And like, I've been somebody who's loved Star Wars for over 20 years of my life. Hey, I I can like, this is my, I can tell though, like these years, I don't know if it's me or doing the show, but I can see Nick is at the end of his fucking rope. Like there could be one Tuesday where I show up and there's no more Nick head. Cause he's just gonna be like, (laughs) you know what, dude, fuck this shit. The fans blow. The show's stupid anyways. No one listens to us. I'm just going to keep working and try to make a few more bucks on Tuesdays versus talking about this nonsense that everyone says they love, but they actually hate. <laughs> and and, and, and I, I mean, get it. Look, I, I told Matt this 
in in our pre-show <laughs> if if what if if the release schedule that we talked about last week is true it could very well kill the whole franchise well, and, i'm glad and, i'm glad you brought that up because if you did listen last week uh, our boy gregu sent a supposed schedule and it does kind of line up like I, I do think the flow works the dates may be wrong now though because uh, we did get the Moon Knight trailer today, and Moon Knight is dated for March 30th. So if they're dropping a trailer for Moon Knight that's supposed to be out in March, there's probably no fucking chance in hell that Kenobi is coming in February. So I, yeah. I, I do think that 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 schedule is probably fucked up. Yeah, uh, we know we're getting all these shows. I just the the rollout is is definitely skewed. Yeah. I mean it's. I'll give you my perception or my, my opinion on why it would kind of wreck the franchise. There's already a lot of negativity around even the new shows. Like people weren't huge fans of bad batch. People are already starting to turn on this show. Um, and if you put out, if you literally have a year where you have an unbroken line of, of shows coming out that are almost all new content, like, None of them will be picking up from where something left off that was already like people were already a big fan of other than Bad Batch season two. You're getting into an area to where it's you're oversaturating your landscape by not having breaks between your content releases and the fact that all of the content is the same type of content where for me, if you have five pieces of content coming out and three of them are shows where you have like one show per quarter um, or, you know, like one show for every four months of the year, not per quarter, because obviously quarters are fours. But if you had three shows, then you had a video game, then you had a movie. That is like a perfect content release schedule because you're getting something for every type of media that you can have for Star Wars. But as it is now, we're going on three years without a movie. We're going on three years without a video game. And we're, we're completely putting all of our eggs into the show basket, which has worked out so far when it was just season seven of Clone Wars and then Mandalorian. But, but as we start adding more in, people are starting to turn on the show side of things, just like they started to turn on the movie side of things. <laughs> He's not like, wrong, people. I don't, like like what he, it, I don't like what he has to sell, but he is not wrong. It's, He's not wrong. If you don't see it, then you're, you're blinding yourself. Like, it's so clear... But that is, like, it, is that still just shitheads? Because, I mean, for someone like me, I'm never going to be unhappy knowing we're getting three or four live-action Star Wars shows in a calendar year. And if they are spaced out, which I think they end up going to be versus what we talked yeah, about last week, they, what we thought I, I don't think that's, uh, that's that big of a deal. I mean, Marvel, oh, yeah. they, they've done it. They've been doing it for decades now. They'll, they'll roll out three movies, and now, hell, they're rolling out three or four movies in addition to three or four shows. And that yeah. seems to work, but we know Marvel fans clearly aren't as fucking crazy as Star Wars fans. Marvel is also way more broadly appealing than Star Wars yeah. because it's grounded in real life. Like when, like the reason that like real enough my parents life. can watch it. Yeah. Like real yeah. enough life, like shit is set in New York city in Correct. real places and stuff like that. So like Not when my parents, like, you know, if my it. parents watch Marvel who would like never watch Star Wars, like they can get into it. But it's like, it's, it, and it is, it's the shitheads in the fan base and stuff like that. But we saw what happened when, when shitheads were loud 
it, they, over. You're right. They reacted you, to it. I mean, I, yeah, I, I like, still think Kathy and them doing what they did with their movie plans is was horrendous. Fuck the idiots. You know, who gives a shit? They're yeah, going to hate I mean, anything at this point you put out. Like, I mean, there's a large group of the, or who knows how large they are. There's a vocal group of the fandom that it will never enjoy anything Disney does just because it's Disney. But so. it's like, it's also filtering into our stuff. Like we have a very, we have like a slice of the Star Wars fandom that listens to us, a very small slice. And we can see like, <laughs> like you people may think that we just come on here, talk about shit and then go away. But like, over the six years, actually more than six years, over the seven years that we've been doing this show, like we have seen just the people who tune in to us, they're, them get jaded. Their perceptions oh, dude, we, change. I mean, we... Them lit- start to feel entitled to the stories that they want to see rather than the stories that are being made. Like, so it's not like I'm just pulling the shit out of nowhere. Like, no, I, our hey, chat has don't changed. Don't yell at me, man. I said you're right. I said you're no, right. Yeah, I, I don't like what you're selling, but you're not wrong. Hey, watch out. He's got the yeah. flamethrower out again, people. Watch out. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, uh, and just in like a marketing sense, too, is like you never want to oversaturate your product. It, which and, is why I think that schedule is horseshit then. Because like if Kenobi really was coming out in February and there still isn't a a trailer or anything. It's just yeah, a placeholder on Disney plus. It just, it doesn't line up, but, but who knows? Yeah. And, and if people hate Kenobi, then they just hate star Wars. Cause I, I don't know how that you could hate Kenobi's going it, to, it's OT. It's, it's essentially Skywalker saga. We're back in the Skywalker saga, even though the Skywalker saga was supposed to end in 2019, we're right back yeah. the fuck in it. So if people go ape shit over Kenobi, then yeah, then, then, you know, all is lost, Nick, all is lost. There, there will never be another movie and, and who knows what's going to happen here, but we'll see. Right. Yeah, man, I just, I, I'm here to, I, I enjoy it as much as I used to shit on the prequels. I still saw every one of them multiple times in theaters, bought every fucking toy poster. It doesn't matter as much as I shit on Boba Fett. I probably have more Boba Fett figures than any other character in my collection. Uh, so just because I hate on stuff, it's, it usually is. And my big beef with the prequels is the same thing. We're kind of chastising people for now is I wrote the story of Anakin Skywalker in my head before I saw George's version. And while I think it, his version could have been a lot better. Thank God we've been able to kind of rewrite some of it with new properties, mostly Clone Wars, Rebels and, and Bad Batch. I mean, I think that all of us are guilty of doing it at a certain point. Like I remember like go back and listen to the podcast when the sequel trilogy was still in development. Like I always talked about like, this is what I want. I want to see the brother sister thing between Ray and Kylo. I like that from the old EU and stuff like that. And then when it didn't happen, like I didn't turn into a blubbering piece of garbage who said that everything sucked, but like, it's like that's that experience stopped me from doing that again. Like it, it stops me from saying like, Hey, this is what I want to happen in book of Boba Fett or this is what I want to yeah. happen in Kenobi. Like I'm, I'm, I'm moved past that because regardless of what your mental state is, is like when you build up a story in your head and it doesn't come true, there is always yeah, a little it's, it's bit it's of like, Oh, I off. wish. Yeah. Like I, I wish what I like, this was cool, but I still wish, I still think that what I wrote was it, dude, it just happened to me, and, and I'm way late to this party. Great show, great season. But I just finished True Detective Season 3, and the finale to me was a letdown. I was like, what? But I had it going this way. 
Yeah. And same shit. So I get it. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm probably still going to tell a lot of you that your opinions are wrong and I will not <laughs> practice what I preach, but that's just the nature of the Star Wars time show, my friends. <laughs> that's just the nature of the Star Wars time show. We like to get a little goofy here. So, wow. What a deep dive there. So real quick, before we move on, I'm thinking tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this, whenever episode four comes out, we are going to get the the dinner table scene where Boba meets with the vassals. Willie drop him down the, uh, the hatch. We know there's a fucking rancor down there now. So uh, who knows? Maybe one of them will go down there if they don't comply. And I do think in the past we are going to get the Boba meets Fennec backstory and, and we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Um, and I do, I still love speculating. Speculating doesn't mean I'm believing what I'm writing in my head anymore, but I'm, I'm making educated guesses on what we've seen and just kind of seeing how the story is being played out both visually and narratively. Uh, So I'm still sticking with my, uh, really the only speculation that hasn't hit from preseason is, uh, Crimson Dawn confirmed. If we get that, I will have went three for three and I am still expecting, all sorts of gifts to be sent to Star Wars Time mm-hmm. HQ. I mean, it can be idols of some sort, trophies, medals, plaques, posters. You know, be like Sean Forney. Send us gifts, <laughs> okay? Send us gifts. And we, we don't want to pay you money for them either, all right? So here we go. Well, I'll be up in the early. It, it, it's, I'm back at work now. If you notice, I cleaned up my face and went back <laughs> to the bald look. So... Tomorrow is going to be a fucking kick in the dick type of day, getting up at, at five or so to get all this done before I have to teach for a few hours. But I'll be there. So if you're not following us on YouTube yet, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show, you'll probably get the breakdown. I try to have them done by these days. They've been taking a minute because I do like the research. 9.30, 10E, something like that. Check them out. I want people to check out the breakdowns before we get here, before you start shooting comments at me. Because I am some asshole where I'm like, yo, if I put my thoughts out there and made a video and then you're asking me my thoughts, I'm just going to say, go watch the fucking video. All right. <laughs> if I took the time to do it, make a stupid ass video, that's where you're going to get my, my deepest and most poignant thoughts on what I just watched. So watch the breakdowns. All right. Kung Fu, you're still allowed to ask me what I thought, and I, I won't snap back. I'll, I'll actually give you a reply. But anyone else, before you come at me with your own theories, this, that, and the other thing, watch what I had to say. I am still a narcissist. I do still feel, you know, there, there's slight offense taken when we're in the Discord breaking down the episode, which, come on in. We, we had like three people join over this last week, Nick. Come on into the yes. Discord. You can find it right through our Instagram bio link. But just watch the shit, all right? If I haven't posted the video yet, yeah, let, let's sit there and spitball some theories. But if the video's out there and then we start getting like, hey, did you see this or do you think this is that? Watch the video because I probably did. Okay? Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Peacemaker for life. All right, buddy. Let's... um. Let's kind of speed through these other ones. We, we've, I've been teasing this topic here. This Book of Boba Fett ending will change perception of the show for, for a while now. And um, let's actually just read the quote. So this comes from Migna Wen. She was talking to some assholes. It wasn't us, so we don't care. Fuck them, right? That's how we roll at the Star <laughs> Wars time show. If they're not talking to us, all the other people. Uh-oh. We got Leia the fat cat climbing up my back, sticking her. <laughs> get down. Oh, you want to sit back there? She likes to sit behind me and probably smell like my swamp ass. So, 
<laughs> I oblige. But anyways, you've heard me talking about, hey, patience, patience, patience. Let the long game play out. Let the long game play out. And Ming-Na Wen herself pretty much is saying the exact same thing. So in this article that my friend punched up for us here, she says, and I won't do the voice. I know a lot of people didn't like my Ming-Na impression, and I don't want to upset Ming-Na fans because she really is a legend already in Star Wars. You got to love this lady. You got to love the character. Um, I'm sure Kung Fu is working on her in uh, Star Wars Galaxies of Heroes. She's a new tune. You got the Scion of Django's a new tune. The game's still going. I still play it. It's getting crazy, Nick. You're missing out, but you're not because you've recaptured at least three hours of your day by not playing that <laughs> fucking game. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, back to Ming-Na Wen and, and what she has to say about the finale and how it's going to change some fans' tune, I think. I really hope that, ooh, hey, uh, rewind. I really hope that they want to go back, and by they, I think she's directly Us. addressing all the salty <laughs> motherfuckers out there. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. really hope that they want to go back and see the whole thing over again in a different light after, you know, knowing how things have, I'm so careful with my words here, how things have evolved and all these other elements that have come into play. All right. So she's essentially saying like, by the end of this, this may be a, a, you may view this show through a completely different lens. Once you see all of the chess pieces played, you might come back and be like, Oh, Oh, that's why they showed the speeder scene in slow motion. No, they're, they're not going to fix that. <laughs> you you can't fix fucking that. fix that. Yeah. <laughs> but the other stuff, I think, is what she's hinting at. She then goes on to say, essentially, as Nick put in here, trust John and Dave. And as I have been saying over and over, like we can't you can't anoint them as gods with Mando and trust them with everything and then come in and say they're assholes and they don't know what they're doing before we've seen the whole show play out. All right. Boba, even more so than the Mando, Nick, don't you agree is more of just a long form film? Yeah. Mando felt like it had, it was almost a Miller time type of show where yes, you had the overarching plot with Grogu Mando, but each show kind of resolved its own little issue where in Boba it's, it's a, it's a true long burn. So it really is more like a movie and we're, we're barely even halfway into it. So exactly. Patience, patience. I mean, hell if we treated the movies that way, a lot of people would be like, damn, Attack of the Clones isn't half bad, right? If you only yeah. watch like the first part, you'd be like, hey, it's all right. You didn't get the love you scenes, know, you know? <laughs> so. You know what's funny is like, you know, going back a, a few months, not even that long ago, I, you know, like I was, I'm a, I'm still a big proponent of long form TV over movies. And, you know, like it, it gives more of a time for, for telling intricate stories and stuff like that. The one thing that I didn't take into account, which you kind of need to now is that like, it just gives people more to hate, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. If, Especially if, in our universe, you were not wrong. Yeah. In, in our world, that's what it's turned into is it's like, it gives people more <laughs> to be upset about every episode or something like, like that. Because if you think about this, this show is seven episodes long and these aren't even an hour each. Like you're talking 40 35 each so oh yeah i mean this one when, when i see 38 minutes in the menu i know we're looking at maybe 34 minutes of content yeah because with the with so the recap like- and the in the and by the way i i i do love i still love ludwig and i think the theme song for book of boba's kick ass okay 
uh, Charlie and I, we, we were doing comparisons on Friday when I picked her up from school between the Mando charge and the Boba song. And they're just, I love that, the way, I love the way that guy, it, it's at the end where they go like, yeah, I like that. I like that. Is that something that people don't like to people? Oh, yeah, like yeah, the, no, that, the, see, the that's another thing you missed after the first episode. What the fuck? This, this fucking thing. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, it's nonstop. Dude, it's, the fucking theme song's bullshit. <laughs> I like the music I better, man. Though it's like, oh my god, <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> it would be like, like, like people who have like kind of made their opinions on this show at that point. It would, it would basically be like if you were watching A New Hope for the first time and you turn the <clears throat> and you turn the movie off before they left Tatooine, and you're like, this yeah. movie sucks. It's fucking boring. It's, Luke's a whiny over. bitch. Fuck this. Obi Wan's a crackhead. Yeah. He's a liar. <laughs> this show's stupid. I know. No, I but yeah, yeah. The the, um, the theme song was definitely controversy early I on. Know, I don't. I, I don't know if it's gotten better, but um, I can tell you, doing the experiment with my daughter, there's something about the Mando theme song that that gets me like emotionally. When when, it, when it's in like the da, 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 like I, I still want to get up and start fucking like head banging. You know, get a little get a little emotional yeah. thinking about like some of the <laughs> save moments from the episode and how I associate that to my own life and my own messed up family stuff like the like mando's theme song if we played it you, you could probably almost get me tearing up a little bit it's weird it's it's like happy tears because you know it's like yeah. okay i'll stop but um, but Boba Fett, it's more like I, I want to go out and play football again because it is kind of you know it's got that that tribal chanting in it you know like the monks like home yeah. oh home home oh no boom 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 yeah boom. I, I like so it. but I yeah that well that was cool. I get we're, we're assholes for liking that too so. it's like can I not like it <laughs> it's like damn uh, but, Trevor makes yeah, a good I mean, point the, here in the chat sorry buddy um this was supposed to be a a movie at one point yeah in time, so. I mean it was supposed to be a movie. Um, and I think that somebody else brought it up in the chat too, is like how much of the, how much of the original movie idea has carried over from kingdom just said that right above one six, you know, like how much of the story has translated over from the, I'm sure that they took elements, you know, like obviously the escape from the, yes, I think Nick, I think that's the only thing they kept to be honest with you because that might've been it. King kingdom's hitting on to something here. It's like, all right, once, once we got the uh, Mando off the ground and we, we soft rebooted Boba and that stinger. Yeah. I, I think that's when they're like, all right, we need to, yeah, we need to rethink. Cause I think that sure. the, the Boba movie that was initially like, not even like plan. It was like proposed. Cause we have to remember too, there was also a proposed Yoda movie, which yeah. could very well have been like Yoda and Grogu. And like they or took just bullshit because like, yeah or yeah I forget or when, when we had Vincent on and Neil like they yeah. they could confirm hundred percent they were working on a Kenobi movie asset but I I don't think yes. they ever so they never mentioned anything like Boba so all that could still just be, be conjecture uh, just it's bullshit like when you, yeah and like when you get like when when Disney got the license they probably had like let's do a fucking yeah, we're gonna do a Han Solo. And we're gonna do a Boba Fett. We're gonna do a Yoda. We're Let's gonna do, do this the Larses. It'd, it'd yeah, be like, like a, a, a movie about Kleeg yeah. before he got in, a, in, a, in his accident to put him in a wheelchair and when he found yeah. Shmi and all that you, shit. You throw out a lot of stuff, but it, <laughs> only like a select few things make it into development. With the Boba Fett one, I don't know how far they got into it. I know that 
like one of the names that was tossed around to direct Trank. that was Josh Trank. And then all of a sudden they saw his fucking yeah, Fantastic he's, he's Four He's out movie. of Hollywood at this point in time. Like the, yeah. I don't think the guy's worked again since Fantastic Four. Yeah. So like he got that, that very quickly got put to the side. So probably all that carried over was the, um, the <laughs> escape from the Sarlacc. <laughs> All right, uh, I guess I could, we'll get off that tangent and back to Ming-Na. So remember, trust John and Dave. Here's what she says. She says, you know, that's what's so great with producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni. They are so knowledgeable about this world, about Star Wars, and they're such huge fans that they know how to set up the pieces and make moves that you don't even know are coming. They just don't know how fast scooters should look in the Star Wars universe. Okay, she didn't say that. She Sorry. didn't say that. <laughs> she, this is what she, she said. And then suddenly it's like, ooh, checkmate. So yeah, we're waiting. We're waiting for that win. We're waiting for that hit. And not just till the very last episode. Like each and every episode, there's new moves and new elements that come into play that hopefully will surprise the fans. I know it surprised me. Okay? Patience. I'm someone that has none but I have all the patience in the world for Star Wars storytelling and world building. All right. It's okay. Takes time. It's okay to critique shit that looks weird. We did it too. But that doesn't mean the whole series is garbage and, and Boba Fett has been turned into a pussy. All right. That, that's, that's ridiculous. Okay. Far, far from the. <laughs> and and like, like I said, I mean, in Dave, I trust and John, I trust. They, they still haven't done anything to me. I mean, if we want to be honest, George Lucas has scarred a lot of us more than, than these guys have. Like, I know yeah. you little kids that grew up with the prequels, you don't quite see the issues that I saw as a, as a young man when I watched it. But he fucked me up. The maker himself. I mean, I went into a self-imposed ban on Star Wars all the way until Disney bought it. I mean, yeah, I watched Clone Wars, but I, I didn't touch the movies. I did not touch the movies until The Force Awakens came out. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do a full rewatch. of, And that was the first time since 2005. And you're, you're talking to a guy that sits in his basement and talks about Star Wars for hours on end every week. So trust me, I get it. it might hurt a little bit. Just let things play out. We can do it. Yeah, we can do it. I don't like being positive, but I can be positive about Star Wars. It's like the only thing I can be positive about. <laughs> Especially in this day and age. All right, real quick, comic book time. I'm going to make this fast because I know we're, we're approaching our wall before, where Nick is ready to walk off the show. You'll, you'll see him. <laughs> you'll just see his chair spinning around. <laughs> It'll be like yeah, just a blank, blank screen there. Um, so Star Wars 20 came out last week, and it's continuing to tell us or show us the ways in which Luke Skywalker trained himself without directly working with a Jedi Master. It's almost like Rey, but fuck her, right? Because we didn't see it on screen. I'm telling you, Luke is getting most of his training through other means than Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's no difference. There's no difference. Yeah. How long was Luke on Dagobah? We don't know. How long was Ray on Acto? We don't know. What's the difference between those two training sessions? None. In the end, she gets books and teach herself. Guess what? Luke's doing the same fucking thing, and it's canon, so eat it. Get tired of people shitting on my girl, Ray. Hey, her story was handled poorly. I'll give you that. But don't, don't tell me that she couldn't be this, this force champion without having years of tutelage. Because where, where was Luke's? He had two minutes on the fucking Falcon with the little ball, right? 
But but a day but or two he, in the hut with Yoda, and he's good to go. Oh, someone Skywalker we got, we got is, special is guest. Dad. Where you at, little buddy? <laughs> it's upstairs on the table. You left it there last night. You doing your homework? Yeah. Good girl. All right. She's got homework in kindergarten. You gotta love it. Oh. <laughs> I make her do it before she can do anything, though, because those are the rules. All right. I feel like we're doing a lot of. Not a lot of bitching, but just a lot of like, eh, you know, the fans, fans. So anyways, back to Luke. So we learned in, in 19 that Luke found a holocron and it was from Yoda. So in this episode, he's still fucking around with the holocron. You know, he's watching it like a big screen TV on a Sunday. You know, it'd be like watching an NFL game. He's, he's checking it out. He's like, R2, this shit sucks. Like Yoda's telling me the same shit he told me back on Dagobah. This is useless. So... Um, Yoda de- does say something through the recording that, that leads Luke to like, oh yeah, virgins in the force, virgins in the force. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. So he goes to this planet Geisen. Geisen. Okay. I'm guessing that's Geisen. how, I'm guessing that's how you, you say it. But on this planet, Nick, and it's explained that it's, 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 it's a virgins in the force to the point to where the planet itself is kind of alive. It's a thing. Okay. So Luke lands on the planet and as soon as he disembarks from his X-Wing, he starts to, like, sink into it. And he, he's, like, getting pulled into this red shit. And then he's just kind of, uh, like, he's existing. He's not dying or drowning. He's just, like, kind of in this place, in this planet. And right away, I see this guy sitting here talking to Luke. And I'm like, is, is this a High Republic Jedi talking to Luke Skywalker? Not that I know shit about the High Republic, but their, their, their get-up is very clear that they're from that era. Like, th- this is before the Jedi got all slovenly and just wore tunics and robes and shit like that. You know, they, they had, like, the nice gold inlay armor and the, the white robes. And not that I know much about the High Republic, but I, but I got it. So what we learn, and what's kind of neat to me, is that on this planet, it, it obviously being a virgin in the Force, Force users were attracted to it. The High Republic Jedi that Luke ends up talking to is Elzar Mann, who apparently is a pretty badass in the High Republic era. Uh, not so much like Anakin Skywalker, but he, he kind of had that slant to him. You know, not wanting to go to the dark side, but was a little more uh, brazen with his abilities and whatnot. And he even says like, hey, your lightsaber looks just like mine as he is pulling the, the Skywalker family blade. So... Luke Skywalker, we can say officially, even though Elzar Man, this isn't his being. He's clearly dead. We're talking, you know, the High Republic was hundreds yeah. of years prior. But what happens, Nick, when, when Force users go to this planet, it essentially imprints them for life. Like a, a, a copy of them remains in its innards, if you will. So that's how Luke gets to talk to Elzar Man. And he, he literally starts having a lesson in the Jedi Order. Like, Am I doing this right? What the fuck should I be doing? Who should I be listening to? What type of Jedi should I be? And Alzar kind of takes him on a tour, uh, talks about this. They end up at Acto at the, at the Force Tree, so there's some cool shit there. That's but cool. one, of the, one of the cooler moments for you EU bros and, and Legends lovers is we get what I believe to be the now second canon mention of one Darth Bane. The first canon mentioned being in the Clone Wars in the lost yeah. uh, season when Yoda actually gets a vision of him. 
here, as Elzar Man is, is describing to Luke, like, listen, when I was a Jedi, it was the peak of our power. We were the shit. It was centuries after, uh, essentially, the, the, we ended the rule of Sith Lord, Sith Lord Darth Bane. So that was a nice little nugget, a nice little cannon bone, if you will, for those that you know want some of the legends to really come back and be recanonized. So now Bane has been doubly canonized. But like I said, the big takeaway from this is Luke Skywalker, not only did he get some training from Yoda in a holocron form, he got some legit advice from a High Republic era Jedi. All right. It's just, you know, it's the bridges we like to see. It's the world building. It's connecting the original with the new. It was cool. It was nice. And it just adds to the, the, the layers of Luke Skywalker and how he ultimately learned to be the Jedi Master we come to find them to be in the sequel trilogy. All right, so blame it on Alzar Man. Maybe he was the one that fucked them up and said, yeah. yeah, you know, if you fuck up, just go hide on a planet and don't Yeah, do but say so he showed them that tree, so that's, <laughs> yeah. it's all his fault. There you that's go. the other thing. Like, I, I don't want to rehash the sequels and lots of people's beef with that and Luke, but what did Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda do? Yeah. They failed miserably. They failed the entire galaxy and quit. They're like, fuck it. We fucked up. We're out. See ya. Oh, yeah, training how to, to be immortal, Obi-Wan. You do that. Watch the kids. Don't let any fuckery go on. But they, they, they gave up for 18, 20 years. I mean, come on. What, what are we talking about? All right. The other thing, and I, there might be uh, more sleuths out there that are better than me. As Luke is coming out of these visions and, and leaving Geisen, after he's kind of learned what he needed to learn from Elzar, which is, Elzar pretty much tells him, like, Luke, listen, you be the Jedi you want to be. There's no fucking recipe. You know, it, it was almost like not that he would have known about the Galactic Republic, but it was kind of dig on them where you remember they, they're the ones that had all the hubris and no, you got to be this goody two shoes. You can't do anything. You can't look at girls. You can't look at boys. And it fucked them up. I mean, they, they, they were so arrogant. That's I love the lines in Revenge of the Sith where Palpatine is just shit talking Yoda like you arrogant little green fuck. This is on you. <laughs> I did this because your arrogance, and he's right. The Jedi thought that they were unstoppable after the heyday of the High Republic. They never thought that the Sith and just two of them could upend the galaxy again, but they were wrong. So if you're on the live stream, look at this book here. Luke ends up leaving with this book, and I wonder if it's one of the texts he had with him in the tree that Ray ends up with. Uh, I, I just I, I couldn't find it myself, but overall, interesting issue kind of expanding upon our boy Luke's training and, and how he received it after leaving Dagobah and pissing off Yoda. And uh, obviously Obi-Wan's gone. But, you know, Luke did a lot of self, a lot of self-learning, a lot of self-teaching. And he got a little assist from the High Republic era. So that was kind of a cool uh, connection there. Yeah. All right. Good shit. And that brings us to the Star Wars Time Show fan segment. So this week... We do the same things we do every week, and that is we're going to start with the fan question of the week with the responses, and boy, we've got some fiery ones today. I will be leading off. I had a special request from our man Vicente, who's in the live chat right now. We know him as Lima4 on Instagram, but it was a very... He, he was coming at me every which way, Nick. He, he, he left a comment, and then he sent us a message. He's like, I don't, I don't want you to fucking miss this. I was like, all right, you got it, buddy. I will read yours. 
so yeah, we always end the show with our fan segment, which is the question of the week, which you can get involved with every Tuesday morning on our Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. Uh, I, I just put up a question. They're easy during a Star Wars series run. I just ask. What was your favorite part or least favorite part? And um, people usually have plenty to say, especially in the negative connotation. And then after that, we do our top five featured Star Wars artists of the week, which is Nick's choices that he picks out of my cumulative picks through the week as I look through hashtag Star Wars Time Show on Instagram and check out all the kick-ass art, toy photography, tattoos, cosplay, you name it. Nick picks the, his five favorite, which we then honor as our last talking point on the show. So, my friend, it's time for the question of the week. Let's go ahead and get the screen changed up here so those that are watching can see, they can follow along. The question was, what was your favorite or least favorite part of the Book of Boba Fett episode three? So I'll go ahead and let me start here with uh, Lima Fours here. It's a big one. And he's look, he's even telling me, you got to love it. I love this guy. Yeah. At Haywood Pop, read it like you did the last time. Angrier if you must. Okay. So everyone prepare. I'm going to get into a little bit of my acting here do a little practice i'm gonna channel my inner lima four photos you might want to back your your volume down a little bit okay because like you said he wants me to read it angrier if i must okay and the first line is all in caps so you know what's coming all right <laughs> here we go just let things play out okay fucking star wars fans worst thing about any episode are the fans really Number one, they're destroying a legacy character. Really? Sticking to the movies, visual mediums? What legacy? Max of five minutes or words spoken per OT movie? Standing around looking cool and getting whacked into the Sarlacc pit like a complete buffoon by a blind Han as his only real action scenes in the OT? If anything, at least his legend is being built upon and continually developed for those who don't read the comics or never got into the EU stuff. He's supposed to be a badass. Man, a few words. What are they doing to our beloved character? You make a whole spinoff series for the guy, and you don't want him to talk much? What kind of fucking story do you expect to be told when your title character isn't going to talk much? What? Is character development off the table now? I'm pretty friggin' sure that these people complaining are the same ones who complained that there was no character development done for the sequel trilogy mains. Just months ago, all these memes basically worshipping Jon Favreau and our Dave Filoni and how they are recovering, resting their backs from having to carry the weight of Star Wars universe on their shoulders. And now that there's something they don't like, all of a timeout. Sudden that there's something they didn't like, all of a sudden people revert to blaming Disney and even KK generically again for ruining Star Wars. Did these people not see the first things that rolled out in the credits? Written by Jon Favreau. And hey, Dave Filoni, executive creative director. People flocking to the poof flingers of the internet and giving them clicks and views while shows like the at Star Wars time show don't get enough love. What the fuck? Favorite part? Anything with at Ming-Na Wen in it. Smiley face with heart eyes. The end. How'd I do? 
It was good. Was it in, was the read intense he, enough? Did I capture his emotions? I think you did. I mean, uh, Liam is in the chat, so maybe he can tell you if you hit the tone. But I do the same thing. He hit the message. Yeah, he hit the message, and that's what's important. I mean, and that's just like, you know, you know what like sucks for me, and probably for you too. I don't know if you experience this, as, like, but like the people who know that I do this, they'll ask me sometimes, like, oh. Uh, Boba Fett show. I heard it sucks. <laughs> yep, that's what happens. Or something like that. It's you know like oh the Bad Batch. I heard it wasn't that good. It's like right. well, and then well, you like, almost why? feel like an asshole for having to defend it. Yeah, because now it's like now they've put the onus on me to be like to sell it to. Well, them. prove me, prove <laughs> prove to me that I should watch this. And it's like, look, man. <laughs> And, and and look, like I'll I'll try to defend Star Wars to anybody you put in front of me, but it it sucks for me that like people's first impression or first exposure to a show is negativity online. You know that's never fun for me. I mean that's like it's the world we live in. I mean shit yeah. sells. Look look at the media. I mean, not that things are going great right now, but they're not as bad as the media makes it out to be because people don't want to tune into, uh, you know, puppy dogs and ice cream. They want to tune into fucking chaos. We are evil beings, my friends. Humans are not good. We're not good. We are fucked up. This planet's been trying to kill us for decades. We just, we just get a little smarter and have more technology to keep living, but come on. I mean, if you believe in all the God (laughs) shit, like where is he? Take us out at this point in time. We're on variant, whatever, yeah, 25 like, of the human race I, and the earth just can't get take rid of us. us out. We have worn out our fucking welcome. Like enough's earth enough. But yeah. I mean, like that's, that's what sucks for me though. Is, uh, Cause a I lot got, of times, like you. I would go back home and like, you know, I, I hang out with my friends from school and stuff like that. We would go see every star Wars movie. We go every time I would go home, we'd go see a star Wars movie. Be like, man, that was fun. You know, all this other stuff. And now like I go home and, like there's no movie, so we're just like talking about stuff out there. He's like, "Oh yeah, Book of Boba Fett stuff." Like I heard it's, I heard it's not I, good. Dude, I'm, I'm or with Bad you. Batch. I, I heard that sucked, and it's like, man, you don't like. I know for some people who aren't like big fans, they're like, "Oh, I'm just telling you what I heard." But like, but you're telling me that because you know that I do a podcast and like I'm like super hardcore Star Wars fan, and it's like that's not. That's never what I want anybody's first exposure to be to anything. Like not even just Star Wars. Like if somebody comes up to me and are like, yeah, that neighborhood you live in hurt, it sucks. It's like, <laughs> man, like that's not fun for anybody. Right. Like, I get you know. It. Yeah. I mean, so it was like uh, my buddy, the guy that, you know, way back when for Star Wars Celebration 2, we made our own costumes when cosplaying wasn't even cool and got out there. And these days we can't even really talk Star Wars because he only sees it through the negative lens. Like there, there's nothing... Oh, that looked like shit. The action was vomit. Fuck it. I'm like, well, dude, are, are you paying attention to the story at all? Like, does story matter anymore? Or did we yeah. all just like Star Wars because of the, the zing zings and the pew pews? I, I don't know. I Like I, I said it earlier, I don't want to rehash it again. I feel like we've been in a spin cycle on this nonsense. But I, 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 I love Star Wars because of the story. Always have, always will. That's why I was so jazzed about the prequels to learn more about Anakin and what made him Darth Vader why i'm i'm digging book of boba fett what turned him into a guy that was actually cool versus a shithead from the original trilogy so whatever all right yeah all right we, next, we've said next it up. all we've said it all but don't worry we're, we're we're not out of the muck raking yet because number two's here <laughs> and then there's a lot more i mean kingdom of weird's been very upfront in the chat like 
first half of the episode he liked, second half he didn't like. But then like like going down, we'll, we'll see what people think. So this is from Kingdom of Weird. He says, my favorite parts are the Rancor introduction and the nonsensical Kirsten Tan fight. A good episode until the space mod mobility scooters and the Spy Kids riders fluffed it up at the end. Yeesh. These new characters have become the most embarrassing looking thing I've seen in Star Wars since the holiday <laughs> special. <laughs> I've seen more intimidating looking kids outside my local corner shop asking for cigarettes. I, I could see Hopefully that. Like I, I've been over to the UK. I don't know where he lives, but yeah, there are some uh, tough Rough looking motherfuckers. Tumble. Yeah, yeah. But um, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully I still, they get much better and less Inspector Gadgety. For me, it's the the whole the almost the entire Naboo segment of Attack of the Clones to me is the most embarrassing looking Star Wars stuff and sounding Star Wars stuff I've ever seen. That's to me. That's to me. I mean, you, yeah. it's, it's hard to get those scenes out of your head and the, the, the I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish you all that type of shit. So, all right, let's go. And, yeah. All right. We're, we're going to be here up. all day if we, if we just yeah, sit here and just keep justifying fan hate and whatnot. Uh, so J School Quee Art. I know who this is. He he's sneaking in here. This is Johnny. This is Johnny Osage. Oh, really? On yeah. a different account? Oh yeah. my gosh. He's coming John. in. He's coming in he's, with he's the, gotta, he's he's the hide. Poo. He's flinging yeah, the he's poo under another his. handle. <laughs> <laughs> he says episode three wasn't good at all. The Cyberpunk gang? Come on, Rodriguez. This isn't a spy kids reboot. Hey, I'm all for quadrophonia or quadrophenia Vespa gang. But the kids in, in Luca rode faster. Sorry, this was a swing and a miss for me, but the Star Wars glutton that I am, I'll be waiting for episode four with open arms. I hear Banderas makes a cameo. Yeah, yeah see, I, I thought he made that little joke there, so. Oh, that wasn't, right, that wasn't too bad, yeah. That you... wasn't too bad. Um, Mickey B. Collects says, The Rancor scene was both my favorite and least favorite. Love the character development provided by the Rancor. Hated the to-me blatant and failed corporate synergy between... The use of the character in store in the story in the Woeful Haslab campaign. The only thing I have to say to that is if you think for a second that John or Dave even know a Haslab campaign has happened for that, you are sorely mistaken. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> like, I don't I don't think that had any any. They real may not ties. even know that Hasbro makes toys for Star Wars. <laughs> like you have to realize that they are so completely involved in the development of storyline that the whatever the marketing department does with with like their people just completely passes by their head. Like they don't even give a shit. Props. Um, I only speak the truth, my friend. He's calling me out saying, I talk bad about the prequels. The last Jedi is the worst thing I've ever seen. Boba coming in close. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, I still have, like if you really want to, and this is when I was a little angry about the prequels. I have a full dissertation on our YouTube channel about why uh, Phantom Menace is the best prequel and Revenge of the Sith is the worst. So if you really want to get into my deep thoughts on why I didn't enjoy the prequels, go check that out. I mean, all I have to say is watch, like you can talk all you want about the speeder chase from this show. Watch that opening speeder chase in the beginning of Attack of the Clones. Some of the worst shit I've ever seen in my life in terms of like acting and CG. At one point, like they, they fly through that electricity thing and it was the worst electric. Oh, yeah. They were yeah, they're like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you can literally hear them with their mouths going. Dee, 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 dee. I was like, dude, this is you're not you're okay. not wrong. But Nick, at least they look like they're going fast. At least they're going fast, right? They're, they're moving quickly through a space. So um, 
Last one up here is the Rancor Pit says favorite Boba petting his new Rancor baby. Least favorite people outraged on the internet about literally everything Star Wars does that's different or new. And then Lima 4 comes in with the clap saying, I can't fucking agree enough with this. Good on you. And Utah Don hitting him with the 100%. Oh, agree. I love it. Dude, I, d- I need to just start posting nonstop opinion prompts on Instagram, know, especially like this because like people eat it up. up. Like, like if you open up to like, hey, shit on something, they're like, yeah, buddy. Let me do it. Go. Let me do it. Which also Let then brings in it. brings in people that that the um you know defender or had the opposite viewpoint. So I might it need to change the, the strategy it, here. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it 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 opens up uh, dialogue and it's that's good for <laughs> interaction. So um that's it that's it for the question of the week. Thank Obviously you. we have a, yes. a, a mixed bag of reactions from the fans out there. And but listen, hey, what, listen, what else people. We, we love hey, anyone that, that listens to us on a regular basis. We love you. We got your back. Whatever you say is great. Okay. We're talking shit about all the other people that don't listen to us that that talk shit about this episode. So just wanted to, just wanted to make that clear. (laughs) Our flock can say whatever the fuck they want and not get chastised until I get a bug up my ass. Until, until we all, until one of us (laughs) blows a gasket (laughs) and then just can't take it anymore. (laughs) Um, But that's the end of the question of the week. We're moving on to the top five. Let's fan artist features of the week. We'll see how many people hate these images for different <laughs> reasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's get into it. If you want to get involved in this little that segment, like Matt, a cunt. she's only yeah. in it for oh one. Uh, she God. only says one line. Garza, flip. <laughs> her, her skin tone. She's the, not even her real. Leku are too long. <laughs> But if you want to get involved in this little segment, use the hashtag Star Wars Time Show on all of your Star Wars related art posts. Or, and tag us or, to and, fuck with me yeah. in the new messaging system on yeah. Instagram. Why not? Tag us at Star Wars Time Show as well. And we will see your posts. And I always love the end them, of the show. The end of the show is always fun because we start getting slappy. I know. We're just like, whatever. Uh, Matt will see it. If he likes it, he'll share it. And if I like it, I will make it a top five. That's right. So that's how this little segment works. Nick is the true boss here. Look, man, I gotta, I gotta let people know what he, I he like. lives a real life. Like he does, he's not on social media like the rest of us bozos. So good for like him. You see, you see, like how I am now when I'm not on social media. <laughs> Imagine if I was like doing what you were doing. I would have jumped off of a building. Like, I, like you would. Dude. I like, that's why. Like I, I'm gonna still continue every Wednesday morning. Just give you like a little heads up of what may be coming. But I know I know you're not gonna look. I, I did. I, I shouldered. Like this. I read. I read that message and I was like, I like I remembered it when I watched it <laughs> this morning. I was like, I wonder what what's gonna be like the big thing here. Yeah. And then when I saw that speeder chase, I was like, I guarantee, well, this is going to be what everybody hates. I I carry (laughs) the weight of the Star Wars time show and all the fan hate on my shoulders. So Nick doesn't have to bear that burden. I can't do it. I'm a person that is prone to depression without shit like that. So, yeah, so Nick, that was Nick would be like, he opens our Instagram on, on Wednesday afternoon and you see him jumping out of his window. Yes, like, I've had none of this shit. Good. All right, let, let's get uh, in here and, and like Devin said, I think him and Justin are getting into a pissing match in the <laughs> comments. I love it. They're like two best Star Wars bro friends, and they're ready to go at it. Let's go. Let's go. All right, um, here we go. So <laughs> to kick things off is actually at super underscore scoundrel. How fitting is that <laughs> that that him and Justin are in the chat having fun with each other? But he's got this. I mean, like this. 
This may be one of my favorite pieces from Justin because this is so perfect. And not from Justin, from <laughs> from Devin, from Super Scoundrel. Because it so perfectly captures the essence and the feel of Garcifwip. Like this is all, this, this may be one of, without him even trying, maybe one of Devin's most realistic portrayals of a character to date. Yeah, you get that, because, that side profile portrait action going yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, it's it's beautiful the way that he captured like almost like every bit of Garza Whip that we've seen in the show so far. And obviously we haven't seen much. She's only been in, you know, maybe two minutes of content total. But just his style with this character works so perfectly. I mean, like even down to like the insane detailing that he put into the earrings and the headpiece yep. and, and everything else that goes I'm into it. I'm always amazed I mean, at how this, this motherfucker, and, and we don't always, if you're new here, this isn't how we always talk about our featured artists. We're just, <laughs> Devin's like, he's in with the show. He's one of our wrenches. We, we, there's a history. We, you know, we go a long way back. We got him all his jobs, all his fame, all his money. So yeah, we, every we can say stuff that like that. See. But I, what, what he does here with the real ass paint technique that he uses, it's, it's how he, uh, it's not illustrating. It's how he colors the lighting. Like he yeah. somehow uh, through his magical abilities, he's able to actually get like light reflecting and bouncing off of, uh, off of this character. You can see, you kind of got that, the, the, the burst coming off of her head jewel and the, you know, the, the splash of light on her shoulder or on one of her uh, head tails or whatever the fuck they're called. So just a yeah, true pro. I mean, you, you can tell, I think Book of Boba has motivated young Devin again yeah. because he um, he spit out. We got Garza. He did an unmasked pike and then a masked pike, and they were all brilliant um, portrait creations. And yeah, it's I mean, been a while the, since he he dabbled in Star Wars. So yeah, the masked pike is just truly incredible. The way that he uses the atmosphere to fill that that image too. So. Um, I mean, it's always a, a treat to get to see Devin's work on the regular in the feed. Um, but this one was definitely like, I don't know why either. It's not like Garza Fwip is a, is a main character by any stretch. I but mean, this dude, one she out. is like, hands down the yeah. sexiest live action Twi'lek in all Star Wars challenge. I Very mean, who, who's better? I mean, I guess uh, unless you're into males and you, you say Bib Fortuna when he was not fat. <laughs> when I he don't was know. thin. Yeah, when he was not thin, fat and all like Bib albino Fortuna. looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, I, yeah, like no, seriously, no. Jennifer Beals as a Twi'lek is just a fine looking, mature woman. Love Very it. true. Love. Uh, sticking with the real ass paint, we're going to move on Ooh, to at Kyber Supply. It's Mayor McCheese. Kyber, yes. Kyber Supply is a fantastic rendition of Mayor Mokshay's or I guess McCheese because I guess that's what the uh, the fandom is calling him now. Yep. See, it, yeah, it, trust me. Like I said, I, I shoulder it all for yeah. you. I get I get all the memes. I know it all. So by showtime, I'll have them all for you, you to, to lay out. You know out. what meme I've been seeing too much? Not even Star Wars. I've been seeing the fucking Kramer <laughs> Jerry meme everywhere. Even Star Wars land. Um, but anyway, this this Mayor McCheese picture, I mean, this is some this is some actually like incredible real ass paint and like of course like what the hell style is this i mean we we at least know devin's magic is of house vector art yeah what what is a kyber supply doing here it's it's like you just make stroke 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 and that somehow builds a coherent piece so he says that created using adobe photoshop so i mean i don't know i know that there's some some things that you can do and and 
Photoshop where essentially like you import an image and then yeah. you can like you can like apply a filter over it that does know, make yeah. it look like a painting. You think that's what's going on or here? It'll you make think it this look is like a sketch? I mean, would you would you put your signature on something like an image you just filtered though? That's what I was gonna say is like if if all I did was like drop it in Photoshop and then like put one of those sketch filters on it, it almost feels disingenuous to say like, hey, I created this. But then again, like there's I don't understand anything about digital art at all. Like the the most that I could do is like I could give you some like inside info on like 3D modeling from my time in college. But like when it came to like Photoshop Illustrator stuff, I wasn't very good at it. Like I knew like some elements of what Devin does and some elements of what these digital artists do. But I, I don't know nearly enough to, to say how people create it. Like maybe Devin or another digital artist would be able to look at this and say like how they were able to achieve this, this particular look. But I mean, regardless, it is a picture perfect representation of Moshe's from Book of Boba Fett. And I, I'm not one to say whether like how he, how Kyber supply made it, but I can tell you that he's got, um, he's got an Etsy store where he does a lot of like, uh, like you can buy Kyber crystals from him, like on necklaces. Oh yeah. I saw, I saw stuff those. like those that. Um, yep. and yeah, so he, he has a shop that he actually sells like, like, uh, souvenirs from. So pretty cool. But I mean, this image itself, pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's sweet. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, if this is real ass paint, it's pretty more fucking power to impressive. You. Yeah. I, I still think you all went to Hogwarts or something <laughs> just does not doesn't make sense in my head. No, but hey. Uh, not that it should. I mean, I'm I'm like, I'm sitting here. I'm trying to work out something with one six shooter. Really, I'll, I'll put it out here. I truly feel like we have some of the worst thumbnails for our oh, just our Star Wars videos. content and our, our podcast. And I, I really just need someone that has a design brain and eye to whip up two or three templates that an idiot like myself could load into fake Photoshop and just, okay, here's a placeholder for an image. Here's a placeholder for the episode number and our logo. Here we go. Cause I, I mean, when I, when we, when I share the podcast on Wednesdays, it, it's just the logo, black background number. It might get 30 views <laughs> out of our 12,000 followers on Instagram because it's a pile of shit. There's nothing enticing. Like, why even click on it? It's just a fucking number. So unless you're a diehard, you're like, I don't care about this. And, and I understand it. So we need, I'm putting the call out there. Might still go with Trevor here. We just, I didn't follow up with him. because I'm a, <laughs> He's I'm in the chat. We're like following that. up right now, Trevor. <laughs> there you go, Trevor. I'm following up. I mean, I'll, I'll cut off a ball, whatever you want. I'll, I'll send a too small hat. But I, I want two or three templates that can really spruce up our social shares and make them slightly more engaging and maybe enough to get people to click on shit. I don't know if that's like putting my fat face on it, making my eyes look big and, and putting like negative connotation stuff on there. Like some of the bigger star Wars channels, like, you know, every post will just be Kathleen fired and my eyes are all big or smiling and stuff like that. But I could figure out a template. I just don't have the design brain to actually create the template with something that looks engaging. So there you go. It's been put out there. Let's, let's see the, the fans jump and react to that. Yeah. <laughs> as, as the cricket sound comes in, like, beep, 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 beep. No, beep, I think that beep, having beep, new beep. thumbnails would be. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. I just, We're I got to convince someone to do it for us because I can't fucking do yeah. that stuff. Shit <laughs> so. at fucking 
Yeah, yeah, making yeah, digital big art. time shit at design work. I mean, and I'm one of the worst. Dude, it's funny too because like I went to school for like part of my degree was like you know like a year of graphic design, and I just fucking oh, yeah. sucked at it. <laughs> like I was just bad. I'm terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, my my thumbnails are about the most interactive you get for like Book of Boba. And all it is is an image from the episode, the Boba Fett logo, and then words under to say like breakdown <laughs> or Easter eggs. It's stupid as fuck. That's our, uh, that's our limit. All right. All right. Next up. Con- continue on. Five is the underscore Empire Strikes. And I think it's funny with this name and then the image that we see. So what we see here is like a bunch of clearly custom made, um, Stormtroopers and they're sitting down. They're playing a game of cards, and with the name, the, does, does the one have a bow tie? Nick, the one standing, is yeah, that a bow tie a bow, or is that just like chipped paint? He's the dealer, so he's got the bow yeah, tie. So it is yeah, a bow tie. Bow tie. <laughs> um, so uh, I love it. I think that we've said multiple times on this show that we always like seeing Star Wars people outside of Star Wars. Hashtag Star Wars humor, brother. I love yeah. it. They're some of my favorite setups. They 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 may not be always the most technically great looking shot. But I, I like the story they're telling, and that's yeah. why the Empire Strikes is on the top five yeah. this week. Yeah, and it's fun, because like, I can see with their name, like these guys are on, like they're actually on strike. They're like, fuck it, we're on strike. We're going to go play some cards. <laughs> playing until playing we, poker. Yeah, until we get our demands met. We need to have two hours of no helmet mandatory per day. <laughs> You know? Yeah, they're like anti-maskers. Yeah. Like, I can't wear my helmet all day. Yeah, like they're, they're, yeah. So I just thought it was a fun setup. And you can clearly, like, what's cool about this is, like, everything here is custom made. Like, these cards. Hand-painted, mm-hmm. too, you can tell. Hand-painted, custom made. The cards, the chips, the 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 helmets for the Stormtroopers, everything. So I just thought it was a really cool creative piece that was put together by the Empire Strikes. Awesome. Um, love this. I mean, I just love this stuff. I, I love when people... And there, there are other accounts that I probably should share more. It's just, you know, it depends on the mood I'm in and what I'm yeah, seeing no. and how big how big the two-share list is getting these yeah. days because there's sometimes I might only get six out. Sometimes I might do 15. But uh, I, I can tell you these next 16 weeks, I, I uh, for some reason, someone that's going on their final promotion is probably going to get it. I loaded myself up with more work and committed FaceTime with students than I've done in probably two years. So... Uh, the fuck off time is is very limited over the next 16 weeks. And no, I'm not asking for anyone to feel bad for me because I still have one of the greatest careers of all time. So thank you. Yeah. So next up in the top five, this is actually kind of like a series of sa- of shots from at YC Solo. I, I love this one. I'm glad you went with this because yeah. you're right. It, it essentially is like a, a Lego Oh. A Lego retelling of the Book of Boba Fett episode one, right? Yeah, no, dude, it's fantastic. So what we see first is kind of the stinger from the end of Mandalorian season two, where you have Fennec yep. and Boba sitting on the throne that Bib Fortuna had once um, occupied, all done in Lego. And then you go to the next one and you see Boba's escape from the, the Sarlacc pit done in all Legos kind of funny seeing him like popping up almost like he's running out of the sand um, you even get like it's it's almost like they're telling the whole story because you get the sand the crawl sand in the background you get the, the, the Tuscans, Tuscans yeah. approaching yeah so awesome stuff in this one next one up we see the infamous now uh, shield the scene fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the shield scene so you see Fennec and Boba surrounded by the uh, the shields all fighting the there. night wind not yes the Nightwing, that's what their name is. And then you get to see 
the follow-up from that, which is Fennec chasing down the two guys. I wish he would have showed the scene of Fennec kicking that one guy off. And yeah, kicking that one, dude. I only one need dude. one. Yeah. So um, I just thought it was cool. It was it, it was a it was a fun little journey. Like a, loved it. Like a four shot recreation, like you said, of of episode one of Book of Boba Fett. So at uh, YC underscore solo on Instagram. Absolutely fantastic work with these Legos. And then, you know, giving us a, a an alternative view of episode. Yeah, one. no, I, I, I dig when some of the artists tell try to tell a story in their shots. I know Action Figure Neverland did one where. It was more like a comic panel. It was just a solo shot, but you know, you had a panel, 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 and it, it told a story from start to finish, which, which we're getting here from at YC underscore solo, albeit in individual shot form with Legos. So good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. So final one for the top five this week is at Imperial underscore troops underscore optics. And I mean, this is like a propaganda poster almost for, yeah. You know, no, this guy's boss. I, I've watched this account. It, it, I don't know when it popped up, but this account is at the level already where posts like this are, are garnering, you know, 1,300, 1,500, 2,000 likes. Uh, and, and for good reason, as Nick said, I mean, this is like, we want you to join the clone army. Exactly. As you have a, you have a commando there out front and then you have other members of the 501st flanking and, and troops optics always layers in like uh i think one of the gunships is a decent size but a lot of these smaller ones you see they're like the little tiny micro machines okay it's just the way they're placed you you, you can kind of use those different scales and it all look like a, a coherent yeah. scene i mean it's just awesome like the 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 setup of this shot is so incredible crazy crazy um perfect positioning for the ships coming like cresting right over the horizon and then just the way that he has all of these these troopers lined up is fantastic, man. Posing them each this, in their own way. This person to me, Nick, is is has either like tricked a small child into setting these up for them and then dealing with the inevitable dominoes of figures. <laughs> yeah. Or they have the greatest patience of all time because like the this this isn't like a layering here. This dude lines up all these fucking figures like this for real. Gets him to stand there. I mean, I think he's using wires and whatnot. But the, these setups are freaking insane. Like the amount of figures being uh, loaded up in some of these. It's like give, give the, this person could be, like I said, the most patient human on the planet. Yeah, that's because I know for me and I, I tried to set one of these up the first time. The, the whole shooting match fell over. See you later. I'd be like, I'd be trying to rip my own tongue out and stabbing my eyes like, <laughs> like a big bait. Why do you do this to me? I'd be like kicking the figures and throwing them places. So kudos to Imperial underscore troops underscore optics uh, for just the insane amount of patience and the ability to craft amazing looking like war photography, clone war photography to be more exact. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. At Imperial underscore troops underscore optics. Well done. That's the end of the top five. Woo. That's the end of the show. Um, Matt, take us home. Well, we clearly like talking about the book of Boba Fett, or at least trying to figure out why fans hate <laughs> Star Wars, because uh, we've been setting records on the show. I know I started earlier, but we're definitely going over our two and a half. So consider this 
as a freebie, my friends. If we had a Patreon, this is what you'd be paying for at this point in time. The bonus content. But hey, it's all good discussion. We got real Star Wars going on, live Star Wars going on. Every week, we got something to talk about, stuff to whine about, stuff clearly most people want to bitch about, but also to appreciate. So as Nick said... Episode 196 is being put to bed, and the way we usually lay these episodes to rest is by reminding everyone to, to remember and to frequent on a daily basis, even though we put up content like every other four days, just go to StarWarsTime.net. You know, add it to your favorites. If, you're, if you have an iPhone, go ahead and just download it right to your desktop. The icon will look like us. You can just tap onto it. So instead of using Safari, you can see the Star Wars Time Show logo. You tap on it, it opens right to our homepage at StarWarsTime.net. And the reason you want to be there is, again, you're going to get kind of a, a preview of the topics we will be discussing. But most importantly, it has all of the information you need to get keyed in with the Star Wars Time Show. I'm talking podcast platforms, YouTube links, all that fun stuff. So please, if you're not subbed already, YouTube, let's do it. While you're here, sub to the channel, turn on notifications, like what you're listening to, even though you may not like it. Just do it. It's good for you. It'll make you feel better. All right? Just, just think of it as doing a good deed for your fellow man, even though there's not a lot of people left in this world that seem to want to help out and do the right thing for their fellow man. But you can do it for us, StarWarsTime.net. There's always time for Star Wars time, people. Get with it. If you're a fan, you know this. And like we ask you every week, try to convince someone else. It's not easy. We get it. We've been trying to do it and it failed miserably. But you never know. Maybe one of you will stumble upon the, the appropriate schlub that is going to take us to the next level. I'd love to get the numbers back before, I don't know, I, we probably pissed people off. There, there's like, I think there's, there's one main event that I know shaved off a good amount of listeners. These are the people that probably thought, at least because of me and the way I acted, we were the angry type. Uh, but really, the, the, the Gina Carano episode, I can trace back to a, a sheer drop-off of used-to-be fans of the Star Wars Time Show. So let's build that shit back up. Come on. You know other people out there that might dig this stupid stuff. They don't have to be here live. We understand 2.30 on Tuesdays not conducive to most people that have a life. We get it. But we appreciate anyone that does dedicate some of their time, even if they're throwing it on in the background to listen to us while they work the doldrums of the day away. So StarWarsTime.net. Let's get it. Spread it. Don't spread it like the other stuff. Just spread it to other like-minded geeks. We need you. Oh, Spotify now allows ratings and reviews. So if you've been a follower on there, make sure to drop one over there. We need that type of stuff. As we've been saying in these other closings, we, at this point in time, we have to also not only convince humans and meatbags that we're worth listening to, but we got to convince the AI overlords we all bend the knee to these days, at least those of us that hold our phones for more hours in the day than we should. Let's all try to be like young Nick in that area of our lives. We speak your name. All right. There's always time for Star Wars time, people. Do what you got to do. Let's do this. Four more episodes to go, which means four more breakdowns are coming. So be subscribed to that YouTube channel. StarWarsTime.net will get you there. And besides, as I always leave you with this sage advice, if you do end up listening to the Star Wars Time show, the Force, yes, 
that stuff, complete with midichlorians, will be with you. Always. Oh, 